Friday, January the 26th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have NFL Week 18. Yeah, the final week of the NFL coming off a very scary situation in the world of football. We'll talk all about everything going on in the NFL with Eric and get you to all those game previews for Week 18. Who's in the playoff? Who needs to win? Uh, every possibility, who's playing, who's sitting out. We'll get you all prepared for a, a very wild Week 18. Some big Friday racing. Most weekends now will have Friday and Saturday, Gulfstream and Santa Anita. That's what we'll have on this episode. Some best bets for Friday and for uh, Gulfstream and for Santa Anita. Then for Saturday, they have a new coast-to-coast pick five that starts that combines races at Gulfstream and Santa Anita. I think there's also a mandatory pick six payout at Santa Anita. So there's lots going on there. We'll talk about both of those tracks for Friday and for Saturday. And then we get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. I actually watched the uh, New Japan Wrestling, uh, Wrestle Kingdom 17 over the uh, earlier in the week. Chad Cooper joins me. We talk all about everything happening in WWE with SmackDown, with Raw, with NXT, and then with AEW. On this episode of That's What G Said, that is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now and subscribe to the YouTube channel at BTV Bets. All sorts of individual game previews, little quick previews. The live streams also get put up on the the YouTube channel there. Everything's free over there. It doesn't cost you anything to subscribe, to follow along. Myself and Eric, who you hear here uh, on this show quite a bit, we talk all uh, about football, college football, NBA, NCAA. We're a part of a lot of those shows. I host a lot of them. Come give them a follow. Better than Vegas at BTV Bets on Twitter right now. We're going to dive on into the horse racing portion of this episode. So we'll talk some Gulfstream. We'll talk some Santa Anita for Friday and for Saturday. racing fans many of us have been using the drf the daily racing form for years studying the races keeping up to date on news with all the articles i remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack wherever i was going now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use drf with drf.com and the newly optimized drf mobile you can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic 
DRF pass performances You get an interactive format Which is very similar to the DRF classic version That you're used to on the desktop Every card includes live data Updated instantly with those scratches And so you get the accessibility From desktop to phone Cross device functionality You can take your notes and save them From one device to the next And then access your account on any of your devices On the go handicapping and wagering Multiple formats to view You got the overview page with recent speed figures Current day's odds Easy access to expert selections And analysis You got the buyer speed figure graph With lifetime buyer speed figures And chart notes for every horse And you got those traditional DRF pass performances That are just newly optimized For your mobile phones They are constantly upgrading Improving and making everything Easier for you To get your handicapping done At DRF.com And right now there is a big sale This weekend at DRF.com It's a New Year's sale You can get 20% off your 5 card classic Or your formulator I'm all about the formulator If you've ever seen any of the videos that I put out If you've ever followed along with the live streams I'm always showing the formulator past performances Those are like the, the Racing form that you would get But when you get the digital part of them What's nice is you can click and just watch the replay. You can click and go right to the chart. You can click, go right to the pedigree. You you get all of that right there. So if you know that you're going to be handicapping the races for Santa Anita coming up for Gulfstream, Coming up, if you're going to be playing Tampa, Oaklawn, all these other tracks, all these big Kentucky Derby preps, go right now this weekend because this sale goes all the way through January the 9th. At 11.59pm So you have plenty of time still Make sure to go to drf.com I posted a link to this on my social media And if you click directly From the link It'll, you know, you can go immediately And purchase the packages They have coupon codes for all of them So just stack up right now While you can save money If you know you're going to be using these past performances Then DRF is always the place to play When you're trying to get involved In any races Download the Stable Duel app and play today. That Stable Duel live stream is back every Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time, with myself, Matt DeSantis, and the sniper, Barry Spears. We got our best bets for Friday and for Saturday. For the next couple months, it'll be a lot of Gulfstream, a lot of Santa Anita, and it's the no-chalk zone. We're only giving up 5-1 to one and above. We're not giving out any chalk. Only 5 to 1 morning lines and above We truly want to help you make money We'll give you all the details for Stable Duel Contest And get you all set up So this weekend for Stable Duel Games If you love playing fantasy horse racing contests If you love playing daily fantasy style games Or horse racing just uh, contest style You'll really enjoy Stable Duel Come check it out Watch our stream on Friday morning You'll get more information there Get those entries in and play, race, win. Let's do that over at Gulfstream Park as we head to Friday, taking a look at some Friday Gulfstream races. We'll uh, we'll look at three races here. We'll kick things off in the opener. 
We race number one maiden $35,000 claimers going seven and a half furlongs on the turf course here. I'm going to go to the outside. I thought uh, an interesting horse to include would be the 12 networking who's going to be dropping in class. Has not raced since back in September, but this guy has shown some speed. All three of his races have been against better. He's now going to add the blinkers. He's a first-time gelding, and it looks like there might be one other major speed in this race. I think he should be forwardly placed from the outside because he's drawn outside, and I think that should actually give him a pretty good trip in here. The horse to the inside, Sergeant Sinatra, might be a little bit faster, so if that one goes and he can sit right behind or vice versa. Maybe if they decide to try to get aggressive here with an aggressive rider, Luis Sai is aboard. I like the number 12, Networking, who's 5-1 to one on the morning line. Anything over 7-2 to two, I think is a playable price there in race number 1. Let's move to race number 4 on the Friday Gulfstream Park card. I'm looking at the number 3 in here. This is a 5 furlong synthetic race, 20,000 non-winners of 2. The 3 Queen Cashmere was in a little bit of traffic last time out against Better. That was just a level tougher and now gets the drop in class. It took up, had some traffic down on the inside, was fixed, was about 4 or 5 lengths off, stayed to the inside. Now you get the uh, the drop in class here and these synthetic races overall have been pretty good for this filly. She's been pretty consistent. Her races aren't aren't amazing but she really runs just clunkers and in particular the synthetic she's been pretty good so i'm going to give queen cashmere a look and throw her into uh, any of your early exotics give her a win wager if she's you know in the five to one plus range let's move to the fifth race we'll go seven and a half furlongs on the turf in here maiden thirty five thousand dollar claimers i'm gonna look to the eight american odalisque so she debuts against maiden specials at churchill in a pretty tough race, she had some early trouble and just never gets involved. Put a line right through it. Then they stretch out. They try the turf for her second start in a tough spot at Keeneland. She runs a lot better that day. She was eighth. She was about five or six lengths off. She was in the two path, and she got caught in between horses. And then things really slowed down, and she kind of shifted to the inside. She was buried behind horses until it was too late. I thought it was a, a better-than-looks effort on paper. And the dam of this one was a multiple winner on the turf, was actually a stakes winner. She's a half to another winning turf sibling, Fresh Feline, who was a multiple graded stakes placed. So there's a good amount of turf here. She has a race that was a little bit better than it looks against tougher. Now she's going to drop in class. I think she's really playable in here. And uh, the price seems right. Anything in that you know four plus to one range, I think is fair for her. The number eight in race number five. So those are the uh, the horses I'm looking at for Gulfstream Park for Friday. Let's move on over, talk a little Santa Anita for Friday. Santa Anita Friday, January the 6th. Let's move to race number eight. And, uh, race number four, excuse me. I'm going to look at four, seven, and eight. We will talk about the eighth race in just a moment. But we'll start with the number eight in the fourth race. These are Calbred Maiden Special Eights going six furlongs on the dirt here. These are three-year-olds and... I'm looking towards the eight, Montana. Montana debuted. It's in a little bit too tough in a race at Del Mar that came back very, very live. Following that, dropped in class against Maiden Claimers, almost won, then tried the turf, and then stepped up against Maiden Special Eights, Calbreds, at the level at Del Mar, and was a very good third that day. It was kind of in between horses, battling in the stretch, just wasn't in the most comfortable spot throughout. Things won't 
be or shouldn't be that way now because he's drawn to the outside and you have Maldonado aboard who is a very good aggressive rider with the type of speed that this one has which might be the most speed down on the inside there's a horse who is pretty quick also I'd imagine this one will be in the top flight here at 5 to 1 anything 7 to 2 plus is playable on the 8 Montana in race number 4 let's move to the 7th race and on Friday, it's a $32,000 claimer going six furlongs on the dirt. I'm looking at the number three, Henry's uh, Henny's Crazy Train. He's going to go second start off the long layoff. So this is a five-year-old mare who, before she went to the bench, she would have been you know pretty tough in a spot like this. She was a horse who broke her maiden at Churchill for uh, maiden 30 going long, and then you know, we saw her beat 50 non-winners of two. She went a starter allowance. She was competitive against first level allowance company at Colonial back in 2021. And then she was beating 40 claimers at Keeneland at the end of 2021. And then she was off for basically an entire year. She showed back up on November the 27th. And I thought she ran almost exactly like you would expect a horse to run off the bench. She looked like she needed the race. Her figures were pretty comparable to what she was running before she actually was kind of run. she ran a little bit better it was in a, a pretty tough race and now she's going to get a little class relief in here that race has already come back live she's a little more versatile than you know her last race alone would suggest where she was basically dead last or in that race and came from double digits out of it to you know pick up some pieces and actually pretty uh, finish pretty well she's got more speed than that i think she's sneaky and again we'll be Going to Edwin Maldonado here, 6-1 to one on this one. We'll be including in all exotics. Let's turn the page to race number 8. Not the 9 in here was a little bit interesting. That's Ice Storm. Ice Storm debuted going long on the turf, and that was against Maiden Specials. Then dropped down in class against Maiden Claimers, and the races against the Maiden Claiming runners have been where he's been at his best. He's going to get Lasix for the first time. If you just toss the two turf races and you say that last time out, maybe he didn't like low sound, maybe he's in a little bit too tough combination of, of you know all of those. I think he fits pretty well in this spot. And I'm going to give him a shot cutting back because I'm looking at this race going six furlongs. I'm thinking Storm the Night from the rails flashing some speed. I'd imagine um, the uh, the Baffert class dropper is going to be sh- uh, flashing some speed. We would probably get Henry Q to be forwardly placed. Ready Rumor will likely be up in the mix early on. I would think Pacific States as well. So I feel like there will be four or five horses pushing it, and it might set up for a horse coming from off the pace, and that could be Ice Storm, who's 8-1. to one. Let's see if this one can come running late. 8-1 to one on the number 9 in race number 8. So that's a look at some Friday thoughts at Santa Anita. Best of luck there on Friday over at Santa Anita. It is a big weekend at Santa Anita and at Gulfstream Park because at the two tracks, they have a coast-to-coast pick five that will be debuting. It has five races from Gulfstream and Santa Anita every Saturday and Sunday starting this weekend all the way through April the 9th. It is a $1 base minimum with a 15% takeout. 100% carry over to the next day's pick five. If no ticket has the winners, there's no consolation. I love the way this is formatted. It doesn't pay four out of fives. Low takeout, $1 minimum. It makes it a little bit more difficult to play. These things are going to pay better. So for Saturday, Gulfstream Park race nine, Santa Anita race four, Gulfstream race 11, 
Santa Anita, race six. Santa Anita, race eight. Three from Santa Anita, two from Gulfstream on the coast-to-coast pick five that we'll be talking about right here on every episode now for the next, you know, four months or so, all the way through April. So that'll be a lot of fun and a lot of opportunities for some big scores. That's Santa Anita. They are back every Saturday and Sunday. You could win $500 if you make the most correct picks mixing horse racing and other major sports. Also, if you make the most total selections between now and April the 9th, you will win $2,000. Create an account by signing up. It's totally free to do so. And then pick your winners on the card. You just get one point for each successful selection. And some of them are pick the winner of race one at Santa Anita. Others ask you, what will be higher? John Velasquez wins on the card or Patrick Mahomes touchdown passes. So you have, you know, simple props that will ask you, you know, pick the point spread in the Raiders Chiefs game this weekend, nine and a half over under in the Titans Jags, or they'll be a little bit more creative. It's free to play every Saturday, every Sunday. Come get involved. Pick'em.SantaAnita.com. Let's dive into some Gulfstream plays for Saturday. Remember, those pick five races are races nine and 11. So in race number four at Gulfstream Park, I thought the uh, eight horse, Nate the Great, was a little bit interesting. This is a first-time starter. He's a three-year-old son of West Coast. This is a uh, maiden special weight race going seven and a half furlongs on the turf course for three-year-olds. This is a firster who is a... Son of West Coast out of a dam that's a three-time winner on the turf. And the dam won at seven and a half on the turf at Gulfstream Park. The very live uh, uh, Joseph Jr. is this trainer of this one who's super capable with the first-time starters and uh, you know always always does a great job down at Gulfstream Park. So this one looks live to me. Six to one on the morning line. Anything four to one plus is worth a win wager. Throw them into your early exotics. Nate the Great. We move to the seventh race. It's the Danya Beach mile on the turf for three-year-olds. I like the four congruent. Looks like Cheerful Charlie has some speed in here. Candidate from the inside will be forwardly placed. Barzini stretching out from sprints will be close up. I don't think Worthington wants to be too far, but probably end up sitting a little bit in here. Could set up nicely for the closers if Major Dude needs a race. And I think Congruent is stepping forward very nicely. That was a really good effort. First time on the turf. They tried to get him on the grass prior to that. He's bred beautifully for it. His dam was a multiple winner on the turf. And and he also has two winning turf sibs. And he proved he likes the grass with that pretty good third last time out. He was in traffic. He was in between going into the first turn. He was always in between horses. He kind of backed out of a spot chasing lone speed. The four to five favorite that day. He just misses second. Second time on the turf. He gets some pace to run out in here. And to sit behind the number four congruent who is five to one on the morning line anything over seven to two i think that's a very fair price now in the ninth race that's one of the uh the pick five races for Gulfstream park it's the ginger brew going a mile on the turf the number two isabel alexandra i loved this filly last time out I, I gave her out i talked about her on december the 10th and she ran sixth that day in the wait a while she was close up, she was inside, and she was just behind the leaders. And then all of a sudden, she goes from sitting about a, a length behind, and now she's like three, three and a half lengths behind. She loses all positioning, she loses about two lengths, and now she's back from sitting like third, fourth, all the way to sixth. 
and she gets buried behind horses. She has nowhere to go. She still shows some late interest, and she's up on the heels of arrival late, which may have cost her uh, even more. Isabel Alexandra. Now, in that same race with Stephanie's Charm, she's also very live. She was inside traveling well about five or six lengths off. She was in some traffic. She got shut out of a spot, and she came closing. The three Cairo Consort is a classy filly. She's the one to beat. She ran some nice races up at Woodbine, and then she proved uh, that she's got some talent when she was third in the juvenile Phillies turf. So those three will be the ones I build most around. You know, the wild card, Anna Carini is... You know, a horse who would not shock me whatsoever. I thought Erna kind of got a perfect trip. M- might see if she can, you know, kind of prove it again in here, but she should be forwardly placed and in- in close up in here at the very least. Those are the ones who I think a lot of the exotics will go through and I would be looking to use in the, the pick five. Now, in the 11th race at Gulfstream Park, that's another one of those pick five races. Um, races nine and 11 are part of that multi. Uh, track coast to coast pick five and I'm I'm fine if you want to give a look to the six moon cat as a possible single in here this guy's going to be making his second start I another horse that I, I gave out and we talked about on December the 24th the that was his first start but the race got taken off the turf it was on the synthetic and now he's going to get a chance to run on the turf his dam, Fanticola, was a five-time winner on the turf, was a grade two winner, was grade one placed, and the lone sibling that she has produced for Mooncat has won on the turf. He took up early. He had to settle farther back um, than he would have liked. He was eighth, about six off. He tipped to the two-path, and he angled out, but he was in some traffic. He tried to move inside, but most of his best run was a little bit dulled at that moment, and now Irad Ortiz Jr. jumps aboard as he gets to the turf. He's 4-1 to one in this spot. I, I really like him. I think it's a really good spot for him making his second start, and he's got that nice fitness edge uh, or a fitness advantage now with like a, that nice mile-plus debut race. Hardy Choice is obviously going to be very live in there. If you wanted to go a little bit deeper, the one fabled prince has four multiple winning turf siblings and a couple pretty good ones too. So, you know, six for me, if you were looking to go a little deeper, it would be nine and one. That's a look at Gulfstream Park for Saturday. Good luck over at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Before we head over to Santa Anita for Saturday, we want to remind you all about one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said podcast, the full-service realtor, Cindy Carava, one of the kindest and most genuine people you will ever meet. Her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And as a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you're looking for home improvement, gardeners, landscapers, painters, all sorts of folks that she has experience with and has has worked with in her own homes. Now, if you need help with the loan process, she can connect you to the right type of lender who will help expedite that process for you, make your life a little bit easier. That's what she wants to do, make life easier for you. She's going to check a lot of those boxes, take care of things that you didn't even know needed to be taken care of. CindyCarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's move over to Santa Anita for Saturday. Okay, let's run through most of this Santa Anita card for Saturday. Got a lot of the Cal Cup races there and we open up with the Cal Cup Sprint. Big City Lights is going to take a lot of money. Chosen Bronze is going to take a lot of money. You know, Resilience a little bit interesting to me. This is a horse who hasn't done anything wrong in his four starts. He's won 3 of them. His lone defeat was 
when he returned off of a long, long layoff in a race he absolutely needed off of about two and a half years. So he's really getting back into form right now. He's drawn well. He's not quite as seasoned or as tested as some of the others in here. I think it's kind of a fun spot to get a big price on a horse like this. If you're not singling in the early pick five here, throw him in at a big price and maybe use him in some of your exotics. Resilient is 15 to 1. Now, let's shift over to a little later in the card. Some of the bigger exotics start rolling along. The fourth race is an interesting race down the hill. Six and a half furlongs. This is one that's in that pick five sequence that we were talking about. So this is an important race here. The fourth race, sixth race, and eighth race are part of that coast-to-coast pick five. In the fourth race, I'm looking at the 5-4 flag on the cutback. I love horses that have been showing a little bit of ability going mile, and then they cut back to the downhill turf. Now, four flag did go six and a half, but it wasn't down the hill, and in that race, just didn't get off to a good start and ran a little bit better than it might look on paper. It's much easier to close on this turf course than it is on that six and a half. And he's been showing a little bit more speed recently. I think they have some options with him. I'd love to see him aggressively handled. Johnny V is aboard. I think he's coming out of a couple productive races recently. He broke his maiden two starts back. He came back against winners and was a good third last time out. And we saw Doc Adams come right out of that race to win their next start. So four flag, the number five, he is five to one. The 10 horse to the outside, Moose Mitchell has run well uh, down the hill back in October. Moose Mitchell fits very, very well in here, and I like the outside draw. It, you know, this race to me I thought was pretty logical, but the, the five is the horse who I might try to build around. Thornhouse is the horse to beat. That's the number three in here coming off that runner-up last time out. And then the eight, Joe Don Looney is a multiple winner, is another who hasn't been as good on the turf, but recently has been in better form and, you know, might be just a different horse right now. Pratt takes the uh, the call for Glatt. That's race number four. As we move to the fifth race, it's a maiden $50,000 claimer here. The three big drinkers are a little interesting to me. This guy was off slow in his debut. He was kind of asked and he moved three deep. Fifth, sixth, he was just about three lengths off up to third on the outside. The top two had already sort of slipped away, but that was just his first start, and he has every right to improve now. He's getting Lasix for the first time. The three, uh, Doradis, who was behind a lineup of four that were pretty fast. He was down on the inside, but he got off the rail, and he did start to kind of grind and, and pick up some pieces late. Comes out of a race where the third-place finisher already has come back to win. And then you have horses like both the four and the six. What do you want to do with them when you've seen them both a fair amount of times now and they don't really seem like they love to win? I thought the seven Charbonneau is kind of interesting. First time in with claimers now. Second start off the four and a half month layoff. Moves to the outside. Drops in class. I'd give the seven horse a look if you're playing, you know, rolling exotics there, pick fives and, you know, stuff like that. Sixth race is the Sunshine Millions Philly and Mare Turf Sprint. There's almost no early speed in this race for a downhill race, and that's why I think the two, La Demont Atois, is kind of live right back. This gal basically wired a field on opening day just a, what about a week and a half, two weeks ago, and this one catches a field that doesn't have a whole lot of other early pace opposition, especially for this type of race. Now, the six is the horse who I actually prefer because Taming the Tigress can be close. She's in really nice form. The races she comes out of 
are starting to look really good because we've seen Fun to Dream now go on to win the Grade 1 La Brea, and the runner-up in that race was Awake at Midnight, and that's who she's been defeated by in two of her last four races. So she's proven on the turf. She's proven on the dirt. She can show speed. She can sit off. Now she's cutting back slightly, and she's drawn to the outside. I like the six, Taming the Tigress. The number three, Alice Marble, is the horse to beat. She was last of five, going five furlongs in a race that she needed. She hadn't run since May, and this was in November. And she came running late. She just missed second. That'll really sharpen her up for this one. She's already been down the hill. She's won down the hill. She's a stakes winner down the hill and was actually a runner-up in a grade two that's come back pretty strong. That's Alice Marble. Six, two, and three for me in the sixth. The Cal Cup Derby is race number seven. The four-giver, not a taker, is pretty honest. This guy was a winner at Los Alamitos last time out. He didn't look like he was going to win in the final you know, 100 yards or so, and he really grinded it out, and Pratt got going on him, and he just got up. Now, his lone defeat came, his lone defeat on the dirt came on October the 29th. He was behind Passarondo, but he was he had a bad stumble out of the start, and it just kind of took him a little while to get comfortable in that race, and so you can really give him a pass for that one. I actually think he's probably the horse to beat, but the horse who I'm really interested in is the seven geezer. This will be his second start going long. He's drawn to the outside. He can show some speed, but we've seen him actually sit off the pace when he was sprinting. There was a loose horse that was in front of him in that race at Los Alamitos, and he was right on the lead, and the loose horse was was riderless, and so it was really impacting the way he had to, to be handled there. Uh, I think now with his second start going long, he'll be a little bit sharper here. He'll be a little bit fitter here. I'm giving him a look. Number seven, Geezer, drawn to the outside along with the four. Those will be the two I use in the bulk of the exotics. Race number eight is the Cal Cup Oaks, and it's a mile on the turf for three-year-old fillies. I thought the one Carol Lombard was pretty impressive when she stretched out on November the 20th. I just liked the way she looked when that race was going long. She did get a pretty good trip in there, but she might be able to get another really good trip saving ground from the inside in here. The 5, Nivon, is going to be scratched out of this one. The 8, Sell the Dream, looks like the horse to beat. The 9, Cast Member, will try the turf for the first time. Her damn one first time out on the turf. And the 7, Quickly Park It, will be in some exotics for me. This is a one who just didn't really have much of a chance last time out. Um, I think if you can put a line through that and get back to some of the earlier form, you'd give Quickly Park It a shot. And she's moving in with some Cowbreds. Um, so this should be overall uh, an easier group. Kind of a contentious group, though. I'll use the 1 at 8-1 to one on the morning line, anything 5-plus with uh, you know the 9, 8, and 7 if you're looking at some other exotic, uh, exotics there. That's race number 8. Now, the ninth race, I like the 7 in here. These are Calbred First Level Allowance Runners. This is a 4-year-old gelding holiday arousal who's just in really nice form. He was behind Resilient on December the 4th. He was kind of close up and in between horses. He got shuffled back to last. He was four wide at the back of the pack. And Holiday Arousal, two starts back, was behind Dark Adams, who's been pretty sharp. This is a horse who's 
lightly raced with some upside. He's performed well against open company. I think Holiday Arousal can sit a nice trip in here, the number seven in here, who that shuffle back was pretty bad. He went from sitting close up all the way towards the back and then came all the way up into contention again. He's got some ability, the number seven, Holiday Arousal. And then to close things out, it's the Turf Classic. Nothing really too outside the box for me here. I thought Koalinga Road would be one worth using in exotics. Carmelita's man's probably the horse to beat from those two. Now, from a pure speed standpoint, there isn't that much early speed in here when you start looking through this field and kind of going back over it again. And so, you know, do they get aggressive with the the two, Doc Adams? That one will probably be in the mix for me just in case. So we'd use combinations of... uh, you know, one, two, four, and eight there to close out the Santa Anita card for Saturday. A fun Saturday over at Santa Anita. Don't forget about the Coast to Coast Pick 5. Don't forget about those free pick'em contests over at Santa Anita. Saturday also has NFL football week 18. Eric joins me to talk about everything going on in the NFL after a really scary and sad situation on Monday night football where a game was canceled and we didn't have very much information on a player who had possibly lost their life but right now things are trending positively as the recording of this on Thursday night so Eric and I pass along information on that we talk all about NFL week 18 what's going on who's in the playoffs who's out who needs to get in everything you need to know for NFL week 18. Well, we've made it. This is only the second time ever we get to an NFL Week 18. And Eric, I think we have to start the show before we're really talking about any of the football stuff. And we can pass along that as the time we are recording this on Thursday night at about 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. We've been hearing very good news all throughout the day. Um involving the the really, really scary situation with the cancellation of the Bengals game and the uh, Bills game on Monday night, where for a long period of time, we haven't really known what was happening with the health of an, an NFL player. This was one of the scariest situations I can remember with, uh, with Hamlin. But today, as of Thursday, everything we've been reading and hearing really positive. I never like to pass along information unless I've vetted it and heard it all over, but it, it sounds like, he was communicating today through writing and actually able to like look around, see people. He asked a question, asked who won the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow, just incredible, uh, incredible information for everyone today who's just been waiting and, and hoping for the last few days to get positive info. Yeah, you know, great news. Great news. A um, little bit of a surreal moment. Um, yeah. Scary, you know, man. A little bit, you know. I, I, I mean, I think I texted you like right after it happened. They could just cancel the game. Yep, you were right on, and we both um, didn't do no, our normal. It, it was really hard over the last couple of days just to try to do anything normal. I'll be honest, like I did my stream on Tuesday, and that was way more difficult than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I never seen anything like that before, and I knew when it was. I, the moment I knew it was something serious, is when all the players were circled around them, around him mm-hmm. and they turned their backs. That's yeah. when you knew, like, cause like if it's a neck or an ACL, they're there. And they've seen it. They've been through it. It's, it's not 
nice, but this just was completely different. And we will continue to hope but that everything real, real quick. I mean, we got to give props to um, Danny Killington. He was the guy that basically saved his life. Yes. The guy that administered the CPR and everything. So you got to, got to give him props and these doctors you know they just go unnoticed they're usually just the guys in the, the unsung they, heroes yeah they get run over you know we really don't know they're there but you know when they're there i mean jesus like you know they were they were there big for uh damar and you know he owes his life to that guy yeah so now the transition into talk about football which is never easy because that's real world, real life, and not the game that we love, football, and things are much more important than that. But I think everybody feels just a lot better with the information we've received the last few days. And, and the bill, uh, the Bills and Bengals and the NFL have just announced that game is going to be canceled. Because based on the schedule right now, Eric, there, there weren't very there, – there's nothing that's a good option. And rescheduling the game ends up having to put – a lot of other teams in the entire season in kind of a weird schedule. So they can eliminate that one game. It just so happens that it it was a huge game for playoff positioning, for seeding, for all sorts of things. And so it's going to be a little bit tricky over the next week or so. um, And it's going to be a little bit different than we've seen, especially with an 18 game or 18 game, 18 week season, 17 games for some of these teams. And you'll have a couple of the better teams that only have 16. Uh Yeah. It's it's just weird. So we're all in the same boat together, folks, everyone that's out here that, you know, you, a lot of people were dealing with fantasy stuff last week too. Um, betting contests. Yeah. I mean like the, fantasy's fantasy i mean like i know what we did like i'm in like a pretty high stakes league like it's a pretty it's a big boy buy-in league and um you know third place was me and somebody else i needed 10.72 points for Mixon, and you know i'm the commish and right at like the next day i was like guys if this game is not played by kickoff of the raiders game um i was like i think you know i'll just like I'm like, look, you know, we can't have games carry over. No, everyone agreed in that. And then there's this big group text message. And I said, a, I sent a text message. I was like, guys, uh, what do you guys think about just taking the pot and just donating it to Hamlin's charity? Every single guy in the league agreed to it. So we made a donation to that today, which, you know, shockingly felt better than I thought it would. Awesome, man. That's good stuff. As uh, we all, Make that pivot, like we said, from talking about the real world stuff into NFL week 18, final week of the year, all sorts of crazy playoff implications. And some of these games we're going to talk about, Eric, as we look at the lines up at Betfred Sportsbook, like some of these games are meaningless for certain teams, for both teams. Um, At the point these games are played, some teams will have clinched, but we'll get through everything. We'll try to give everybody as much information as possible. And we start out with Kansas City Chiefs. At the Vegas Raiders, the Chiefs are thirteen and three, four eleven and one. They're the number. They are still alive with a chance to be the number one seed. And I guess we'll end up seeing what happens because Kansas City and Buffalo can end up with just three losses. But if Buffalo has less games, they'll have less did of a winning. The, did you see the tweet from Shafter before we started? Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about it. You want to you want to read through it? 
You have um, you, you have it pulled up right there. I'm pulling. I'm trying to get it right now. Okay, so yeah, we are recording on Thursday night at like 10 Eastern, and as we like as we have been recording, a lot of this stuff has been coming out within the last like 30 minutes or so. So we're just trying to pass along everything as possible. Buffalo and Kansas City both winner tie. A Buffalo versus Kansas City championship would be played at a neutral site, which is the most fair thing, right? That's Um, fair. Yeah. Uh, Buffalo and because because honestly, Buffalo would be the team that was really kind of getting getting the worst end of that because they beat Kansas City already. Well, I mean, but also like, and I I hate I hate myself for saying this. If this game is played at indoor and in like an indie, that t- kind of totally fades, favors Buffalo because they're built like an adult. Mm-hmm. No, you're right, and that's oh. and that's a, like a lot about. It, it's not like it's going to be bad for Kansas City with Mahomes, but yeah. you're right it you feel like it would favor them a little bit. So lots and of variables that come in, but keep going to Buffalo and Kansas city, both lose. Oh, sorry. Buffalo and Kansas city, both lose and Baltimore wins or ties a Buffalo versus Kansas city championship game would be played at a neutral site. Scenario three, Buffalo and Kansas city, both lose and Cincinnati wins a Buffalo or Cincinnati versus Kansas city championship game would be played at a neutral site. If yeah. Baltimore defeats Cincinnati in week 18, it will defeat Cincinnati, a divisional opponent, twice, but will not be able to host a playoff game because Cincinnati will have a higher win percentage for a 16-game schedule than Baltimore would for a seven-game schedule. If Baltimore defeats Cincinnati, and if those two clubs are scheduled to play a wild card game against one another, the site of that game would be determined by a coin toss. If Cincinnati wins week 18 or if Baltimore and Cincinnati are not scheduled to play one another in the wildcard round, the game sites would be determined by regular seeding, regular, regular scheduling procedures. As we consider the football schedule, our principles have been limited to distribute across the league and minimize competitive equalness. I recognize that there are no perfect solutions. The proposal we are asking the ownership to consider, however, address the most significant potential um, equality issues created, blah, 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 blah. You know, just okay. jibber, jibber, jibber. So we got, we got, um, that's, you know, they're doing the best they can do there. Like, this is unprecedented stuff. I, I think for the most part, that's about the best that they can do, trying to give everybody still an opportunity heading into week 18. And I mean, look, like, we're going to talk about this more. And this, I, I, I hate myself for saying this. But that was a life traumatic event. I'm how are how are the Bills going to respond from that, or the Bengals, or people involved? Yeah, it's just one of those things. You just it's sort of it's so unprecedented, and like you said, you feel kind of gross talking about it. Even I feel awful. I feel disgusting talking about it. And like, so here's the thing: like, as I looked at myself as a coach, okay, now. I've had scenarios where I've had a player I've coached lose a grandparent and that was very hard for them to come back. Like that's the closest it has come to me. Um, I'm, you know what I mean? I've never had anyone like fall. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I've never thankfully have had to any anything physical. Back. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, that's the only thing that's happened. It took the player a long time, but we saw like as a coach, you got to motivate you know, you're a psychologist, you got to like help them with their personal life, like make sure you motivate them the right way. Now you factor all this in. I mean, McDermott and Taylor have their hands full 
I mean, I think more than people realize they do just because like seeing someone being resuscitated, isn't something most people can just kind of walk away from. This isn't like, how does somebody rehab from an ankle injury? They do this on Monday. Then they, you know, they put some ice on after then on Tuesday, they're doing something a little bit different. There's no schedule. This isn't linear. You don't, you don't know how people kind of get through recover. Hopefully he, he continues to, to get better and then people can heal a little bit more, but we don't know. And that's, again, that's a variable that you have to consider, but you don't really know what, like what to take from it. It's not like we're talking about how weather impacts a game or an injury or anything like that. It's just very, very different. And as we move into week 18, we talk about the chiefs. And the Raiders, 13 and three Chiefs, 4, 11 and one against the spread. Raiders, six and 10 straight up, eight and eight against the spread. And the Raiders last week was Stidham. He was making his first career start, but he knows that system. He had been with the Patriots before. He probably knew this, the McDaniel system better than Carr does. He's just been more familiar with it. And he was playing against one of the better defenses in the league. He finished 23 of 34, 365 yards, a big-time throw, no turnover-worthy plays. He was graded quarterback number three on the week by Pro Football Focus with passing grade. And he was really good on passes to the outside. His average pass traveled a league high, 10.9 yards down the field. He targeted the tight end eight times with six receptions, so something to keep an eye on. 127 yards and an 18-yard defensive pass interference. He'd never thrown for more than 72 yards in a game. Yeah, he had doubled that by halftime, and he he was threatening to score again, but an interception ended up costing them. So I think you can take two things out of this, like combination of him in this McDaniel's offense with some of the playmakers coming back for the Raiders. Like this offense looked pretty solid in, in that game against the 49ers defense. I also think the 49ers defense is a little bit overhyped because of kind of who they've played and some of their opponents recently. And that's maybe something we take the teams that can really throw the ball might be teams that can succeed against San Francisco, because I think that one of their real weak points is their secondary, but we can get more to for the 49ers in a minute for the chiefs. As you were reading through all the possible scenarios, it's easy for the chiefs. If they win, they will then get an opportunity to at the very least play home game, home game, and then go to a neutral site for a conference championship. So they wouldn't have to necessarily be in a true road game scenario um, a- along the way to get to the Super Bowl. They beat the Broncos last week, but you know what's something that, that for this good Chiefs team that wants to win a Super Bowl and wants to be in a bunch of close games, they're dead last in the league in field goal percentage. Their holder dropped the ball on a point after, and and then they ended up missing a field goal. They caught some four points in the game against the Broncos. You know, they end up winning that game, but when you're playing against the Bills or the Bengals or these good teams, you can't spot other teams four points all the time. That's not that's not going to, to work. How about McKinnon? Since week 13, he leads all players in the league with six receiving touchdowns. He has eight receiving touchdowns this year which ties him with Marshall Falk and Austin Eckler as the only running backs over the last 30 years with eight receiving touchdowns. He has five straight games with a touchdown, which is the longest streak for a running back in 70 years for uh, touchdown receptions. Mahomes has now joined Brady and Breeze as the only quarterbacks in history with multiple 5,000 passing yard seasons. Only five other players have ever hit that mark. 
you know, Denver had the ball with a minute and 20 left at midfield with a chance to drive to tie or win the game. But the defense for the Chiefs stepped up a little bit. They had four sacks in the first-round rookie, Karloftis. He had his fifth sack in six games. We're seeing some of these young kids now starting to really contribute, especially on the defensive side. A couple guys for your Lions are really starting to, to play well in the second half on, on the, uh, the defensive side. Talk to us about this game, Eric. We're seeing, what, Kansas City nine-point favorite on the road here, over under yeah, 52 and a half. I knocked it in at the Raiders plus nine and a half. Mahomes as a favorite is only 47, 46% ATS. Um, over seven as a fave, you know, that drops down to 40%. This um, this season, seven point favorites or more are only 29% ATS. Road favorites of seven or more are one in eight, 11% ATS. You know, um, this season, divisional road favorites, seven or more, 44%, three and 10, you know, just kind of all the betting trends just kind of say to take the Raiders here. You kind of touched on it, the way the Stitham plays. The offense actually is better, more suited for him than it is for Derek Carr. And also he knows all the all the reads and everything. Carr had this habit of kind of staring down Devontae Adams. Um you know, with the Chiefs, if they get out, if they get out to a big lead, you know, they really don't want to get hurt. You know what I mean? Like they, you know what I'm saying? Like, why? Absolutely. It's just get your, get your win, get up like 14 to 17 and then just nothing creative. And like you said, you're, you're not trying to put a bunch of stuff on film either. Right. You're not, you're not running a bunch of new plays and stuff that you, that you may save some, some good stuff for your bigger games coming up. I agree with you. This just, I'm definitely not laying. And I actually like what I saw from the Raiders offense last week quite a bit. Like they look pretty good. We know their defense is horrible. I mean, this might be a fun game to maybe play something like, let's see if we can find, if there's like a, uh, you know, what would, what, what's like the first half over uh, 26 and a half. Yeah, that's a lot of points. So. You know, that is a lot of points. But I, I, I could see, like, the Raiders can score. And like we said, Kansas City at least early is going to try to get up and then relax. That would, might be something I look at. But I don't know. I don't really like that number. But that's sort of like how I'm seeing the, the game unfold. Um, no real strong opinion on that one for me. And remember, this is Saturday. There are two Saturday games. We'll actually be previewing these over on the Better Than Vegas Network, too, at BTV. But Saturday morning, we'll just preview them at 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern time, which is the normal time we preview all the Sunday games. So we'll just keep it consistent for uh, for Saturday and Sunday this week. Let's move to the uh, the second Saturday game. This is a win and you're in game for the AFC South. We have the Tennessee Titans and the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have the Titans who need to win to get in. The Jags can actually lose this game, and if a couple other things happen, they could still get in. I think they would need three other losses. Yeah, they need like three losses. To right? Get. Pittsburgh, the Dolphins, and the Patriots all to lose, and then Correct. You know, I think they could get in. Um, So for the Titans, they win, they're in. They're coming off of a game on Thursday night last week where they sat almost all of their starters because it was really irrelevant for them winning or losing that game. And in maybe it was a blessing in disguise for them because they end up throwing out Dobbs and he's now going to be their starting quarterback. Cause what Dobbs gives them is a quarterback who can throw the ball a little bit more because they already have such a good running game with Derrick Henry and a strong running back. I don't think they really needed another quarterback like a Malik Wills who is mobile 
you sort of just need someone who can make a couple throws. And I think that's really all that Josh Dobbs could Dobbs could do, right? Is just make a few throws that Wills just couldn't really do in some of the starts. Wills can't read a defense. Yeah. You know, and that's basically evident with how they're calling a game. He just, you know, can't read it. And you're at a position right now where the pressure is magnified. Um, it's a primetime slot. And the offense is just so limited with him there. Even his RPO game wasn't that good. Um, And it truly does have to say a lot about these quote unquote experts that were just hyping how people look in shorts, throwing a football. Same thing you said about Zach Wilson. Um, Dobbs just gives more, you know, he's won games. He looked better against Dallas. He can read a defense. He can audible. He's probably more familiar with the playbook. Because remember, they were kind of feisty in a game when Dallas was trying to win. And they really, not that they weren't trying to win, but they weren't playing with a lot of their key players. Yeah. And Tennessee. So look, I bet Tennessee. And my mindset was this. This is the healthiest they've been in a while. They've had a ton of injuries. They had another bye week. So they get a couple, they get a couple, it basically got another bye week, right? They got three extra days here or they played Thursday or no, no. Most of their players had another bye week and then they still got two extra days, three, because the Jags played on Sunday last week. They played on Thursday and now the Jags have to play on a short week and they play on a Saturday. So not only did, like you said, their players get the buy, basically like a buy and not play that game. They got a couple extra days on the schedule as well. Um, and then you just, you just kind of look at it. You know, I think this line's a little bit higher because people saw how they did lose to the, um, Cowboys as bad as they did. Cause a lot of people just kind of look at the score and then they see how bad the Jags beat the Texans. Vrabel as a road dog is 57% ATS. He's 64% ATS as a road dog when the line is above three Titans are two DVOA versus the run. They're getting Simmons. They're getting all those defensive linemen back. Jags really underreported the amount of injuries they have to the offensive line. I really feel that the defensive line of the Titans is going to be able to get to Lawrence and make him uncomfortable. And are the Jags going to be able to stop Henry? The last seven games, he's averaged 142 yards per game rushing. In the one game this season, he rushed for 121. His legs Um, are going to be fresh right now. Teams like the Jags who are on a four-game winning streak and are home favorites of three to seven, only 45% ATS. Peterson, 45% as an ATS. Home favorite of three or more, he's 42%. So, look, I play the Titans here. I think this game has three-point game written all over it. This is what Vrabel does. He takes a bunch of underachieving guys and kind of makes it competitive. Um, A couple weeks ago, I did – give out the Jaguars on here nine to one to win the South. If you followed that bet, I would put like, if you put a hundred, if you're using bet Fred and you put, let's say a hundred bucks on um, the Jags to win 900, I'd probably put, yeah, I'd probably put 200, 150, 200 on the Titans right now at plus 30 on bet Fred, just so that way you're locked into a little profit. Yeah. On the Titans money line, right? the Titans money line yeah but and the Titans are seven and I definitely take the Titans plus the six and a half absolutely agree with you they're seven and nine straight up eight six and two against the spread Jags eight and eight eight seven one against the spread here's the the 
player that I think could be sneaky in some of the props and, and we're, we're recording early. So some of these numbers aren't out props. If you're playing a DFS lineup this week, the tight end um, who I've mentioned a few times uh, for Tennessee uh, Oconquo, because as he started to play more and trend up, it was right as Tannehill got hurt and will started to have to play more and he, they can't really throw the ball and he's actually still, been getting more routes, targets, like his recent games, um, five targets, three receptions, five targets, four receptions, six targets, five receptions, five targets, four receptions, two targets, one reception, four targets, three receptions. Like I said, this will be a probably a better game for him with a quarterback who can throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah. So I think he's someone who might be sneaky. His numbers are probably still a little undervalued because he hasn't had monster games. He could have a big game, especially if this team is down and trying to come back and and, and win. Um, so look at him, the tight end there. Shout out to your guy, Evan Ingram. He set the all-time record for the Jags tight ends in receptions and yards by a tight end. 69 receptions this year, 739 yards. I mean, the Jags got up 28 nothing last week. They were still able to rest some of their starters 21-point lead at half was the largest since 2017. It was the first win against the Texans in their last 10 games against them. Um, They really dominated a lot of that game. The Texans only averaged 2.8 yards per play for 33 snaps on eight first-half possessions. So uh, let's see if the Jags can seal the deal, get to the playoffs. Both Eric and I are on the Titans side as we move to Sunday. So Ravens, Bengals, Seven-point spread in this one. Cincinnati is at home. They are favored. Over-under is 40.5, 40 and a half. You have 11 and four Bengals, 12 and three against the spread. Awesome ATS team this year. Ravens, 10 and six straight up, six, nine and one against the spread. Their offense just really struggled without Lamar. They haven't scored more than 17 points since November the 27th. He hasn't practiced since December 4th. In the four games that he's missed, they've won two of them. They've only scored four touchdowns. In 19 quarters with Huntley as quarterback. Um, And they gave up another late game score in a game where they probably could have won. Pittsburgh took the lead with just over a minute left in the game. It was the fourth time this year they gave up the game-winning touchdown in the final two minutes of a game. For the Bengals, we obviously don't have anything to go off from last week. Their game from Monday night was the game against the Bills that ended up getting canceled here. And Eric went through a lot of the... uh, the possibilities and the what ifs for the Bengals coming out of this game. So, I mean, they're a heavy favorite in here. These, this game and the bills game are games that like as a gambler, if I felt like I had some sort of advantage to attack, I would, I don't really know. I definitely wouldn't want to lay the bigger numbers with these teams that I'm not sure how they're going to respond coming off of a strange experience that a lot of these players may not have ever been through. So you got to look at this two ways. Number one, you have, you don't, you don't know how these Bengals players are going to respond. Um, And I do want to say before we talk about this game from an outside person, now I haven't talked to anyone I know in the Bengals organization or have any inside info, but from me just kind of watching, it seemed to me like Taylor was kind of instrumental on kind of getting everyone off the field. Uh, There's a rumor that he said the Bengals are willing to forfeit the game you know, you kind of saw a lot about him kind of like on how he was handling everything. So leadership wise, I thought he, he, he looked very good. Right. Yeah. I thought, um, but you don't know how these guys are going to react, but on the flip side, Baltimore, like I said, on my show a couple weeks ago, 
this team just doesn't know how to win and their windows closed. And I, I mean, I have a future on them. I think they're going to lose first round of the playoffs. And then you don't know what Lamar is going to do. Is Lamar going to be done? Is he going to go to Miami? Is he going to go to New York? Say someone's going to pay him. If yeah. it's not the Ravens, someone will pay him. What's going to happen with Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator. If you lose Lamar, then you have to kind of revamp the whole system. There's just a lot of like, I have no idea what to do in this game. None at all. Huntley's look awful. Terrible. I don't want to do anything in this game. Um, you know, one quick thing, um, you know, last year and the year before, um, you know, when I came on here and the last week, I, I, you know, I talked heavily about player props and, you know, incentives and everything, but it's become a little too mainstream. I'm seeing like these kids do TikToks on them and everything. So this year, I'm not going to be doing any offensive player prop incentive bets just because I feel like it's too too mainstream now. If it's you may not be built into the line. Yeah. And what's hard is that I'm going to mention two only on in one game and though and because that game is kind of meaningless, I'm hoping that it may fly a little bit under the radar and if not, I well, mean I I see one defensive player prop if the line is right, I'll take it, but they don't have a line out on it yet. So yeah, that's what's hard. Well, and as I mentioned, Eric and I will always be doing previews of all the football games like day of um, for, for throughout the playoffs. So when there yeah. are playoff games day of Saturdays or Sundays, we'll do the playoff previews for better than Vegas at BTV bets, either in the morning or a little before the game. Most likely they'll be uh, at, at 11 a.m. Eastern time as uh, we continue to Panthers and the Saints meaningless game here as the Panthers lost last week and Tampa has now clinched the NFC South. So you have the Saints as a three and a half point favorite in this game. Over under is 42. Carolina six and 10 straight up, eight and eight against the spread. The Saints seven and nine straight up, seven and nine against the spread. Panthers, they were up 14 nothing. And then the, that injury to Horn, it just destroyed them. I mean, they couldn't stop Mike Evans. He went for 200 yards in the game and he ran all, and he just ran all over them. They, you know, Darnold hurt them in a couple big moments. Honestly, he was pretty good in the games that he played for them this year. But like we've talked about, he's one of those guys where when you need him to make a play or when you need him when you're down and you need him to come from behind, it's really hard to trust. that He had three total turnovers in the game that led to 10 points for Tampa. You know, so they have questions that will be, what do they do for, with their head coach, what do they do with the interim coach who did a pretty good job this, despite everything, right? I mean, Matt Rule was awful. He didn't set this team up very well. They spent a bunch of money on bad quarterbacks. They weren't really a very well-built team. They traded away their best player in the middle of the year. Robbie Anderson walked off the field. This team could have given up and been like 2-15. and 15. So I thought he did pretty good just to kind of keep this team playing and alive all the way through Week 17. And for them last week, they couldn't run the ball against Tampa. And then that killed them. They had 22 carries for 74 yards, 3.4 yards per carry. You're tr- you're trying to ask Sam Donald to do too much. And you play a Saints defense that's played r- really well as of late. They beat the Eagles last week with, with Minshew. They ran an interception back for a touchdown to seal the win. And Philly had the ball late with a chance to take the lead in that game. The Saints dominated the time of possession in the first half, almost 23 minutes of possession to just over seven minutes for the Eagles. They held Philly to just 61 total yards and two first downs in the first half. They've now allowed 20 points or less for the seventh straight week 
which is the longest stretch for their franchise since 1991. Any thoughts on this one? Um, I think the Panthers really like this Wilkes guy. I think the players are going to play hard for him. Um, at this number, I would kind of take the Panthers, but you know, I have no real feel for this game. Don't really want to do anything. Um, it's Nobody's crazy. got any real plan for anything, like you yeah. said, or just for some jobs. But you know, not- but these, these players did. You know, they do like Wilkes a lot. Um, I'd lean. I'd lean that same direction with you. Yeah. I, I wouldn't lay the number with the Saints here. I would lean it with the Panthers. And um, um, I think. Oh my God! What is the kid's name? I am spacing on the kid's name. Um, in terms of DFS, I do like Rashid Shahid. Um, you know, he's led the Saints in routes and snaps last week. Um, and look, you know, no J.C. Horn. This Panther secondary is really bad. Um, that could be kind of like a lower price option guy you can play in DFS that can kind of open up some stuff for you. Let's keep going, Eric. Where do we head next on our uh, Sunday slate? We go to the Browns and the Steelers. Browns are 7-9 straight up, 8-8 eight eight against the spread. Steelers 8-8 eight eight straight up, 9-6-1 against the spread. Pittsburgh with an outside chance to still make the playoffs here. They're a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Over-under in this game is 40. They also have a chance to keep the streak alive for their head coach, Mike Tomlin, who has never finished a season under 500. So they'll either be over or under, I guess they could tie and, uh, and you know, still be 500. They started two and six. They've been six and two since. And Kenny Pickett led another fourth quarter game winning drive. He helped Pittsburgh take a three point lead with less than a minute to play. He has led three fourth quarter comebacks this year. That is the most for a rookie quarterback since. And uh, I'll ask you this question. It's a quarterback that's a current starter right now. Is Who's, he, is who he is, hurt? A, is he hurt right now? No, it's the quarterback that's currently playing right now. He, he's currently starting games right now. Baker? No, Gardner Minshew. Oh. I was trying to get cute with the, the wording of it because he's, I guess he's not, maybe he's not going to start a game this week. But Gardner Minshew had a couple of uh, game-winning drives back when he was a rook. So – on the Brown side, it was Watson's best game so far. Uh, he had he led three straight touchdown drives in the second half. They just didn't get off to a great start, though. It was a 7-3 at halftime. They had just 23 passing yards in the first half. And the offensive line was not very good. He was under pressure a lot in that game. 47% of his dropbacks, he was pressured. Uh, but Cooper kind of quietly had a, a pretty decent year. He hit 100 yards for the fifth time this year. What do you think about this game with the Pittsburgh trying to keep Coach Tomlin's streak alive? I bet Cleveland at three earlier in the week. I'd still take him at two and a half. Uh, Tomlin is 47% ATS. Uh, After playing the Ravens, he's 46% ATS. And the thing with this is the narrative is teams need to win. Teams need to win. We got to back the teams need to win. Well, teams that have been eliminated that are playing against the team that needs to win are 62% ATS against the number. And let's flash back to what happened last year when the Jags not only covered, but they straight up beat the Colts. Um, You know, those teams tend to play a little more loosely. There's all the pressure in the world on the team that needs to win, which Pittsburgh is. Um, I know that they do struggle defending the run. Clowney could be coming back. Clowney comes back. That does help the run run. And this is their rival. You know, this is the Browns Super Bowl right now. You know, that, 
right now we need to remember what the Browns are building for is for next year because they wait, they didn't have Watson all this time. They're building for next year. What a better way to get the season going in the right direction by getting a win and knocking your rivals out of the playoffs. I like the Browns here. I bet them at three. Even this number right here, I do do it as well. Let's get to Texans and the Colts. Oh, what an ugly looking game here. Colts are 4-11-1, 6-10 against the spread. Texans 2-13-1, 7-8-1 against the spread. And the Colts are a two-and-a-half point favorite in this game. Now, if the Texans lose, they will get the number one overall pick. But if they win and the Bears lose, the Bears would actually get that pick. So um, right there, that's why you have to bet the Colts. I bet the Colts at minus two-and-a-half. Now, my thought process is this. They can't really improve their draft position that much. They they need like some like a funky Cardinals win, I think, for them to improve their draft position. We've seen Lovey Smith do this before. Like Sean Payne's openly talked about it that Lovey, when he was the coach, the Buccaneers tank that game so they could maintain that number one pick and draft Jameis Winston. You get your pick of the litter here if you're the top pick. We saw the Jets win that pointless game a couple years ago, lost the top pick to the Jags, the Jags were able to get Lawrence. You don't think that the, the Jets organization wants to go back in time and draft Trevor Lawrence? You know what I mean? Like, I think the Texans are going to taint this game. I think we're going to see, come tomorrow, we're going to see some key players in the Texans get on the injury report, not play. I think Saturday's too much, you know, I think Saturday's going to want to go out on a win. It wouldn't surprise me if um, Sam Endler's, oh my God, Ellinger. Ellinger struggled. They put in Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has one last swan song to get the win. You know, I, I to me, you got to take the Colts here. I laid the two and a half. Yeah, what, we, what we've realized this year, hey, it's not easy to be an NFL head coach, right? You can't just come in and be an NFL head coach. They've been outscored 151 to 68 in their last four games. That's about an average of a three touchdown loss per game. And keep in mind, one of those games was that game that was close against the Vikings where they blew the big lead. That's in that stretch. <laughs> They've just been horrible. Absolutely absurd. Um, and I mean, like, the key thing is, the other thing we have to remember is the Bears announced, the Bears moved the first piece in the chessboard. Yeah, Fields yeah. isn't playing. Yeah, they announced Fields isn't playing. So now... The Texans cannot win this game. They just yeah. cannot. Like, I know these guys are pros. I know you can't tell them to lose, but... You cannot they, – they need a quarterback so bad. And the Bears won't draft a quarterback, but the Bears could hold you hostage. They could put well, – I mean, like, could... Even if like – and I'll say this. Like, you know, for what I've looked about in the quarterback, he doesn't do anything flashy, but I, I always look as if there's been improvements. Right now, Mills is better than he was last year. You can't say that about Zach Wilson. Um, you can't say that about Mac Jones. You have to make a little bit of a. You have to make an improvement in my eyes. Does Davis Mills have the big arm? Does he have the athletic ability? Not athletic, but uh, the running ability. No, but he has improved. He does look like he's understanding the position better. But you know, you he's one of those guys. You need a lot of pieces around him to yeah. to win. Um, and and but, but this but this year is a nice quarterback year. Um, right. There are a couple up top that at least people are pretty high on, right? With uh, someone like a Bryce Young. Yeah, there's Bryce Long, there's CJ Stroud, but then you have that stigma of, um, you know, Alabama and Ohio okay, quarterbacks. Players. Yeah. Um, but you know, you do have Will Anderson, a great pass rusher. There's a lot of ways you can do, you can go on that top pick. But by having the top pick, 
you can go the way you want. You to want go. absolutely right. You know, that's that's the key. You don't have to wait for the Bears to have a domino or the Bears trade that pick to a team that desperately needs a quarterback. A quarterback, you know, and then you have to wait for them. So there's a lot of you know, is they're just better off to lose it. And I think you know, and Lovey has done this in the past. Let's get to the Vikings and the bears. We've got the Vikes 12 and four straight up six, nine and one against the spread. The bears three and 13 straight up five, 10 and one against the spreaders. We were just talking about these two. The Vikings are a seven and a half point favorite on the road in here over under is 43 in this one. The Vikings, they've had a few of their losses this year where it's like all of the bounces they got in the wins come back against them in a few of their losses. Jefferson just got completely shut down. He had one catch for 15 yards. They, at one point, the game was 41 to three. And, you know, they even got a little luck. They blocked a punt for the second straight week. So they're one of only three teams this year who has multiple blocked punts. They got the ball at the one yard line and had to settle for a field goal. Their special teams is awful. They gave up a kick return touchdown, two missed field goals, and they also gave up two good punt returns. Then they muffed a punt themselves. They got lucky to cover it. They are number 28 in DVOA, 28 overall. They will enter the playoffs as either the worst number two or the worst number three seed ever, depending on whichever they are based on the DVOA metrics. They're the only 12-win team in history with a negative point differential. If they win by 49 points this week, they will still have the lowest point differential in history for a 12-win team. They this year, their losses, they've got blown out by the Eagles. Um, they got crushed um, by Dallas. Your Lions beat them up and they got absolutely destroyed last week. And they're 11 and 0 in one score games. Yeah, that's their some regression. Definitely under. Um, but like the Bears, Bears are actively tanking. You know, they have nothing, they have you know, zero to play for. They're they're in the battle, they like we just said, like against the Texans. Hip injury, which you know, let's face it, you know. He, He's banged up, but who's not banged up at this time of the year? Um, I think the Vikings are going to win. Um, I think they're going to actively try to get Justin Jefferson the record. Um, I think he's a must play in DFS. Um, you know, you can stack him with Cousins, but that's the only, that's the absolutely only thing that I would do in this game. Anything yeah. else, nothing. Because, their defense is so bad. They rank 31st in points and in yards allowed this this uh, year. They actually lost two more offensive linemen throughout the games. They allowed the Packers to run for 152 running yard, rushing yards on the ground. And the Bears are a good rushing team, but they're not trying to win. They don't have fields. I mean, they've been, and they've really struggled their last few games. They lost by 31 points, gave up 500-plus yards. They have a nine-game losing streak. That's the longest they've had in 102 years. And they only completed seven of, two, of 21 passes. Fields only needed 64 yards to break the all-time single-season quarterback rushing record, but he won't do that, and they're going to be in some trouble. I mean, they were down to their third-string right guard. They're dealing with lots of injuries. They got sacked seven times, and that was Fields getting sacked seven times. What's going to happen to Peterman? Like, he can't move around nearly as much. They only picked up two first downs in the second and third quarter. They They went three and out their first four drives of the second half. Not a lot to like about this particular game as we move to the Pats and the Bills. So the Bills are a seven-point favorite in this one at home. 
over under 42 and a half. They are 12 and three straight up this year, seven, seven and one against the spread. New England, eight and eight straight up, seven, eight and one against the spread. Bills dealing with a player on their team who at one point we weren't sure if he was alive or not. And now all things pointing positive, all signs trending positive, but a, a similar situation to what we were talking about with Cincinnati. We really don't know how a lot of these players are feeling. A lot, some of these players didn't travel back from Cincinnati, even like their schedules are all off. Players were kind of doing, they were doing whatever they felt they needed to do to best handle like what their mental health was and where they were. This is something that we don't know um, to, to have some sort of uh, a sample to look back and say, oh, this is exactly how someone's going to react to that. Now, yeah, no, nothing like from. So from a football standpoint, the Bills didn't play a full game last week. We don't have a whole lot to go off of from recently, like what happened for them on the field. For the Patriots, it's just all of their wins are when the, the defenses score a touchdown. Like they have a good defense, but they have a, they have seven defensive touchdowns this year. That's the most in franchise history. That's the most by any team in the league since the 2017 Jags. You can be an incredible defense and not get defensive touchdowns. They're just really tough to count on. They've had four straight games where they've had a defensive touchdown. That's the first time since 2002, the Tampa Bay Bucks, where a defense has had four straight games with a defensive touchdown. Remember even earlier in the year, the punt return touchdown at the end of the game that they had that got them the victory against the Jets that actually put them in the position they are right now to be in the playoffs. Win... And they're in. Um, They held the Dolphins star wide receivers last week to just 55 and 52 yards receiving. That was their lowest combined totals for Hill and Waddle since week five. Their offense is just so inconsistent, though. They had a a drive last week, 81-yard drive to open the game. Then following that, the next six possessions, they only have four first downs in the second and third quarter. And then late, they go on 11-play, 89-yard drive. They put the game away. They won a game where they allowed at least 20 points for the first time since week eight of 2021. They have been 0-8 in their last eight games when they've allowed more than 20 points. So it just says right there, they can't win games where the opponent scores more than 20. They can get a defensive touchdown, a couple of fluky things to happen. They're not a sexy team, but they are trying to play to get into the playoffs. And we don't exactly know what Buffalo is going to do here because this is going to be Sunday coming after a Kansas city game. Like what if Kansas city loses that game? Yeah. Well, aren't these games going on at the same time? Oh well, no, Kansas, not. my bad. Kansas my city's bad. on Saturday, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you don't know what you're going to get here. Like I, I want to take, I hate to admit it. You know, I do have a certain reputation to make up to keep, but I'm a good person at heart and I want to bet the Patriots so bad, but I kind of feel a little dirty doing it. Doing it. I mean, um, you don't know how these players are going to react, man. You just don't know, like, when that first hit happens, what's going to happen, where their mental state is. I, we, you know, we know Hamlin's moving in the right direction, which is great to, great to see, like, phenomenal to see. But you just don't know how these players are going to react being back on the field. You know, shout out to Josh Allen in his press conference, totally bashing those people that are blaming T. Higgins. If you're blaming T. Higgins for this, dude. Like, come on. Um Allen, seven-point favorite or more at home. Seven-point favorite or less at home, excuse me. 38% ATS. 
against the Patriots as a, as a seven-point favorite or less. 0-2. Um, it's no see what the Patriots are going to look to do. They're going to look to lean on Stevenson. They're going to look to lean on um, um, Harris, who's back. Ever since Von Miller got hurt, the Bills' run defense isn't the same. And there's a key play in the Bills game that people have forget, forgotten about, and rightfully so. Right before they kicked that field goal, Hendrickson, the defensive lineman from the Bengals, now it wasn't it, it wasn't a malicious play. He rolled and Allen limped off the field and he was being looked at on the sidelines quite attentively. And is there like something there with his leg now? You know what I mean? Like we don't know that. And if he doesn't, and he's so dynamic to what they want to do, are they, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. if like if Kansas City does lose, which is possible with how bad their defense is, what are is Allen even gonna play? You know what I mean? Like, well, I know. And why would you? Like, how, how, how severe is this leg injury? Like no one's really reporting on it because they really haven't been doing much practicing. Um, rightfully so. So I'm going to bet the Patriots here probably eventually, but as of right now, I have nothing. Let's get to the Jets and the Dolphins. Jets seven and nine straight up, eight and eight against the spread. Dolphins eight and eight straight up, eight and eight against the spread. So what the Dolphins need to win and a Patriots loss and they're in. Um, yes, no, need the to... Dolphins need, they need, Dolphins need to win and need the Patriots to lose. Correct. Yep. Yep. So those two things need to happen. They're favored by two against the Jets in this game over under 38 and a half. It's going to be Skylar Thompson starting for them. They're down to their third string quarterback. Again, Teddy B got hurt. They are now on a five game losing streak last week. They're out uh, without starting offensive linemen, um, part of their secondary and their defensive line. Without Armstead, their offensive line allowed 21 pressures on 45 pass-blocking snaps. That was just unbelievable that they've been so bad without Armstead. It's not shocking, but it's just unbelievable when you see the numbers like that, almost a 50% pressure rate given up. The Jets, they really struggled down the stretch. Some injuries hurt them. Quarterback play hurt them a little bit. White returned. He didn't look healthy. He was only 2 of 9 on deep passes with 2 interceptions. It was their fifth straight loss after being firmly in the playoffs. And now they are eliminated from playoff contention. They had a couple wide receiver drops, including a tough one on fourth and four from uh, Wilson. After getting down 14 early, they were forced to become really one-dimensional and you know put them in a bad spot. That's now 12 straight years where they've missed the playoffs, which is the longest active playoff drought in the NFL Dolphins need a win to try to stay alive. This is one of those games that what they're playing at the same time. So they, they won't really know what's going on in the Patriots game. But like you said, it's kind of difficult right now because if the bills don't care very much about that game, then it could be easy for the Patriots. If the bills are trying to win that game, then I mean, Miami has a very like legitimate chance to just win their way into the playoffs here. At the end of the day, we need to think to ourselves that the Jets are six DVOA in total defense. And you still have Skylar Thompson back there at quarterback. I know. Who's a third stringer for a reason. Um, you know. And they're laying points. And they're laying points. I mean, I gave the Jets out on my stream at two and a half. Um Mike White is due for a bounce back. It was a perfect, perfect situation to fade them 
in um, Seattle last week. Um, you know, Finns. And the main thing like that people need to remember is in a game like this, that has a really close spread, a lot of these games always come down to special teams. And the um, um, teams, excuse me, and the Finns are 30th in DVOA and special teams. They're bad. Finns defense is trending down. Like I said, teams eliminated playing a team that needs to win 62% ATS. Um, I just, I just don't, how I see this game playing out is Thompson made some mistake that cost them the game. And that's, that's what I think is going to happen. I like them in plus the two and a half. It's not like uh, they are in the situation like a Brock, like Purdy is yeah. where Purdy comes in with a bunch of playmakers, a good line, really good defense. Like everything is good for Purdy. That's not the case with this Miami team right now. They have been struggling at a lot more than just the quarterback position. Yep. Um, defense, offensive line injuries. Um, Tua, obviously not there, not being good. Um, I just I just think this is a get-right spot for the Jets. Dolphins can be run on, get night going on the run game. Um, and Robert Salas kind of showed us, like, he can motivate. Mm-hmm. You know, he, so he should have his guys up. Uh, I I took the Jets plus the two and a half here. Let's get to Tampa and Atlanta. Falcons are a four point favorite in this game. Over under is 40 and a half. Atlanta is six and 10 straight up, eight and eight against the spread. Tampa, eight and eight straight up, four, 11 and one against the spread. But this game is meaningless for them because they have clinched the division and a home game in the playoffs. So they will be hosting, I believe, most likely the Dallas Cowboys, um, but still could be the Eagles and things could change around a little bit based on what happens if the Eagles were to lose this week and then all sorts of different possibilities on the Falcon side, the quarterback Ritter, he actually led a 16 play nine minute, 46 second drive that ended with a five yard touchdown. That's good from, for a rookie to see them be able to lead a drive like that. That was by far the best drive that he's led. Now, then on the second drive, he fumbles on the first play, which leads to a touchdown for Arizona. But that's what you expect from a rookie. You're going to see some good and you're going to see some bad. At least we've seen some glimpses of good in the last couple weeks, which the first week and a half, we, we didn't see a whole lot of. But the one thing we've seen a whole lot of is London. Um, he only had 47 yards, but it was his fourth straight game with five plus receptions. And that is one focus of Ritter. He's looking to London. Algier, who you've been a big fan of through a lot of this year, he has over 1,000 scrimmage yards this year, 1,039. It's the most by a Falcons rookie over the last 40 years. Only three Falcons rookies have 1,000-plus scrimmage yards over the last 40 years. So not just running backs, any Falcons rookies, who do you think the other two are in the last 40 years that have had 1,000 scrimmage yards in their rookie year? Algier is one. Another one is on the team right now. Another one is on the team right now. Um, Last year. He didn't have many touchdowns, but he quietly had a better year than people remember. Yep, Pitts is the other one. And then the other one's pretty obvious. Who who would it have been for Atlanta? Who who is like their guy for a while? Their guy for a thousand scrimmage yards. Yeah, as a rook. Didn't have to be a running back, any 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 offensive player. Jeez, Andre Risen. Julio Jones. Oh, oh my god, I totally forgot about him. Yeah, so right, you know, so that would have been so Algier, mm-hmm. uh Algier, Julio, and uh um 
uh, and Pitts from last year. Those are the only three who's ever had a thousand plus scrimmage yards um, in the last you know forty years. So for Tampa, I mean, we don't really have to talk they're a whole lot in. about. Yeah, they're locked in, so we don't really have to talk about what happened for them last week. We'll talk about their season when we preview them for the playoffs next week. For them, this is just everybody sitting really irrelevant game. Bull said people are going to play. You know, I kind of did my best to look back. And from what I found, it, when this was the case, usually Brady at Tampa would play a half. Yeah, and that's probably what I think, a quarter or a half, a couple drives. So I really wouldn't do anything on that end. Uh, you mentioned um, Algier. He needs 100 yards to go over 1,000 yards for the season. Clear cut number one since um and that's just rushing right that's just yeah. over a thousand yards rushing because yeah, he's already correct. got the he's already hit that scrimmage mark so man he's um, had a great year you were on you were on him early and since um Ritter has taken over his floor his floor since Ritter has taken over is 17 carries 80 rushing yards and one TD that's his floor um and with Tampa resting people I think they're just gonna run out Algier a lot I I I, he's he's in my DFS lineup. I do a DFS segment on my podcast. He's going to be in the build that I do tomorrow, and it's just going to be because he's a clear-cut number one, and I think you're going to be able to run on Tampa when they've rested people, and uh, I think they're going to try to get him 1,000 yards. So, yeah, I like Algier DFS. Maybe look at his rushing prop. If it's respectable, i do it, but that would be it. We've got the 49ers and the Cardinals, Arizona, 4-12 and 12 straight up, 8-8 eight and eight against the spread. 49ers, 12-4 and four straight up, 10-6 and six against the spread. Purdy, graded quarterback number six on the week last week by Pro Football Focus. He had to lead two fourth-quarter drives and help lead them to a field goal in overtime. He's had at least one touchdown pass in five straight games, which is tied for the second-longest streak by any rookie since 1970. The only one with a longer streak was Justin Herbert, who did it for seven straight games. Their defense, though, they really struggled against Stidham. He was making his first NFL start. They didn't tackle well. They didn't cover well. They gave up 500 yards and 34 points. And they're something to monitor. They weren't good in the secondary. Um, on the outside in particular, Stidham was 20 of 29 for 330 yards, three touchdowns, and 10-yard pass interference. Now, I don't know how much that'll impact them in this game as a 14-point favorite with David Blau starting on the opposite side. But when they match up against teams that can throw the ball, they could be in some serious trouble. And I'm going to dive into the 49ers a lot when we preview the playoffs next week because a lot of their recent wins and a lot of their resume isn't great. Individually, they have a super talented team and they're probably one of the more well-balanced teams, but... I think they're a little bit overvalued because they've beat up on bad teams and teams that were in, in good spots. Ayuk, he had another nice game. He had over 100 yards, 81 in the fourth quarter. McCaffrey had 193 total yards. That was 42% of their offense. Through 10 games this year, he's had 701 yards rushing, six touchdowns, 43 catches, 430 yards, and three more touchdowns. He's just a production machine when he's in there. But prior to this game, the only team that was able to really move the ball against them recently was the Chiefs, who had you know 529 total yards and 44 points. They hadn't allowed more than 349 yards or 28 points to any other opponent this year, but start looking at their opponents. They didn't play a bunch of the, uh, the really good offensive juggernauts this year. 
your guy, David Blau, former Lion, hard knock star. Yeah. He was uh, 15 of 20 for 117 yards and a touchdown in the end of the first half last week. Good start. But then Connor got hurt and he left with an injury and they couldn't run the ball. So things got a lot more difficult for them. Is this going to be it for Cliffy Kingsbury? Do you think he comes back next year? Yeah, it kind of depends what happens with the GM. Um, I think you kind of have to move on from them, from the GM and from Cliff. But I know there's a lot of people talk these NFL coaches' jobs, but, I mean, if you're a coach, do you really want to go to Arizona? You know what I mean? Like, you just kind Absolutely of not. You know, you have the 49ers. You're going to be playing Shanahan all the time. You got to figure McVay and, and Stafford are going to be back. And, and you just don't Seattle know what is what moving Kyler. in the right direction. And you're tied to Kyle Mur- Kyler Murray. And they've done a kind of like a piss poor job developing the roster. That play, that really isn't Arizona is a great place to live. But in terms of like coaching a team, it's not that good of a job. But I'm going to say this like, this is kind of where game theory comes in for a little bit so minnesota plays the early game okay so let's say minnesota minnesota wins against the bears okay and arizona's comfortably ahead against the cardinals and they look up at the scoreboard and see the eagles are comfortably ahead against the giants they can't move out of that two line no what are they going to do they don't want brock hurdy to get hurt they don't There's have no, another don't right. McCaffrey there. No. Nope. I mean, Debo's destined 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 destination to come back. So they'll probably pull people. This is this is over 14. I really want to take the Cardinals. You know, I say it all the time. Cliff, you know, 77% ATS is a road dog, 67% ATS when the line's over seven on the road. Kingsbury only is he's basically he's 44% ATS is a favorite, 43% is a home favorite. 44 with a line over seven. Um, you know, it's game theory wise, you have to see how this thing's going to play out. And then you kind of have to be like, you know, it, it makes sense to take the Cardinals here at anything over two touchdowns. There is one player prop in this. Um, Watt right now is sitting at nine and a half sacks. He gets a huge player bonus, player like player incentive if he gets to double digits. So I would look for Watt over half a sack. If that's anything minus 120 or less, I would definitely play that. That is one player prop I absolutely love. Um, but in terms of this game, that's that's what I do because I think that because in this window, all these games are kind of tied together. You can do the same thing with Dallas because if Dallas sees that Philadelphia is winning, you know they're going to look to pull people. So you like this – how you think those games are going to play out. You can kind of bet it. I would, if you can get over 14, I, I would kind of take the Cardinals. Though. Let's get to Cowboys and commanders. We have Dallas as a seven point favorite on the road in this game over under is 41 Dallas, 12 and four straight up nine, six and one against the spread Washington, seven, eight and one straight up seven, eight and one against the spread. You have uh Dallas still trying to play for the division still with a, with a shot to uh, to get themselves a home playoff game. Now, there was a st- recent stretch now where Dallas played three games in 12 days, but they've kept themselves alive with a, a win and an Eagles loss. 
they looked ugly though in that win against Tennessee, uh, who was not playing a lot of starters. They had three turnovers, two interceptions. They sat Pollard out with a thigh bruise, and they've really been struggling to run the ball as of late. Three games in a row where they've run for less than four yards per carry. Ezekiel Elliott had 1.9 yards per carry on 19 carries last week. They uh, their center had an ankle injury, so they've had to really shake things up on the offensive line. Quite a bit. They had to move guys around from center to another, left guard to left tackle, all these moving pieces. Dak has 10 interceptions in his last six games, four fumbles. He's only lost one of those. But, I mean, he's thrown for over 1,600 yards and completed more than 70% of his passes. But the turnovers are becoming a real thing. They they did incorporate T.Y. Hilton a little bit more. He had four catches, 50 yards, converting three third downs into first downs. And on the commander's side with their season on the line, they went to Carson Wentz, and he was not good. He did not pe- hit 100 yards passing until five minutes left to go in the game. And this team was 7-5-1. and one. They were in a position to control their own destiny, and now they've been eliminated from the playoffs. The one game, I think, that is going to haunt them, Eric, that I think they're going to really remember was the game when they were up double digits against the Vikings late in the fourth quarter. I think he had that god-awful pick. Yeah, um, and that just crushed them. But I mean, like, here's the thing. And I talked about it on my str- on on my stream the the other day. We would we would both agree with the Commanders. Who's their best player? Terry McLaurin, right? Yep. Last week, five targets. Logan Thomas had more targets in him. In in a must win game for you the with your season before. on the line. Five targets. Guess who had more time targets than him? Logan Thomas. Three weeks ago, us against the Giants, six targets. Dotson, don't get me wrong. People like Dotson, but he's not like a number one guy. He's like a slot speedster. He's like a two and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Had 10 targets. You know, he only had six. Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense why you're not giving your best player the ball. You know, we've said this before. You and I aren't high on the Vikings, but what's the one thing the Vikings do? They give Jefferson the ball. You got to give McLaurin the ball. I mean, obviously, I feel that, you know, Rivera is going to be gone. Turner is going to be gone. Um, Del Rio gone. Totally a revamp. Um, you you know you kind of have to see what you have in the kid Howell. Um, there's really going to be no tape on him, so maybe he will be able to do some stuff against this Cowboys defense. And the one thing, what have the what have the Cowboys done every single week? They've played up and down to their opponents. They struggled against Tennessee. I know the game against the Colts was a blowout, but guess what? That was like 10 minutes of just god-awful football from the Colts in the fourth quarter. That really wasn't anything that the Cowboys were doing. That score is a little bit misheating. I think the Cowboys are going to lose first round of the Bucs um, just because that's what they've done all year. You know, they've struggled to run the ball. Offensive line has been good, and they played up and down. To their, up and down. Um, but I don't want anything to do because who knows if this commander's team has just mailed it in and quit with where they were. And you know, Sam Howell is starting. Apparently Heineke went and said that Sam Howell should start this week, which is so weird. Like, who are you, Heineke, to be going in? The, the thing is this, is we both know how hard it is to get a quarterback. Oh, yeah. Like, the organization should be like, hey, we need to see what we have on this kid. Completely agree. If I were Heineke, though, I would just be trying because he's not a proven starter anywhere. I would just want to get as many shots as I can out there. But he's one of those guys yeah, that I think, think is 
He's just a backup. He's he's yeah. a fine backup. He's sort of in that Minshew, and we'll talk about him in a minute. Like these are guys that can come in and play well for you for a week or two, but they have weaknesses. Hey. Like they have to be a lot. Like there's a lot of guys I think that could go in the Brock Purdy situation and look okay, right? Because that's like a perfect situation. But most guys, when you put I them mean, in like, the a difference. bad spot like mm-hmm. Washington, you're in trouble. You know, like you're gonna have bad weeks. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I feel the difference between Purdy and um Brock Purdy and then when you look at someone like Heineke and you look at someone like Minshew is Purdy in my eyes knows what he is you know what I mean he doesn't do anything crazy doesn't doesn't try to play that's a great point and I think that has to probably do with and Minshew these guys try to play hero ball all the time Purdy knows what he can and can't do and he's pretty good at knowing his limitations Heineke and Minshew are like just complete they're like your that friend you take to a party and he drinks too much. You have no idea what the hell he's going to do. And I think some of that has to do with the situations that those guys have been in versus someone like Purdy. Now Purdy, he goes in there and they're telling him, dude, you don't do anything other than what's scripted. Honestly, like Mm -hmm. that's what you do. You make all the decisions. Someone like Minshew, this dude was playing on the Jags a couple years ago, like having to try to, you know, lift awful teams and try to make plays on teams that were just getting crushed. Heineke's played a couple years on some bad Washington teams where it's sort of like what happened with, with kind of with Wentz, with the Eagles, a few bad years where, you know, Sam Darnold, you're just put in these bad spots where you end up not developing the way you should as a player, you know, like not, not a, be in this, the position to make the right moves. And now, you know, someone like Minshew, he came, he comes in like for the Eagles. And, you know, we'll talk about him when we get to him. I think people were getting kind of hard on him for last week when I thought I the Eagles sucks. Like, oh, see, like Minshew, I completely, I think you're dead wrong on Minshew. Because the thing is this: is you just look at the way he throws the ball. His arm angle's too low. He's never going to be able to throw over an offensive line. So technically speaking, he's going into the battle, losing it with how he throws the ball and his arm angle. And, and I don't disagree with that. I would still take him over 15 starting quarterbacks right now in the NFL. I, I probably 15, but I, I don't, I wouldn't like, I don't want him to be my starter. I think he is best served as a backup. But when we talk about the Eagles in a minute, like they didn't run the ball at all last week. It was really weird. They kind of put him in a, in a bad position. Uh, we'll get to Eagles in just a minute. We'll continue to talk about some of these backup quarterbacks as we move now to chargers and the Broncos. So, for the Chargers, they can they can put themselves in a little bit of a better position, right? Or are they are they kind of settled in here? Because they're, they're basically a, settled in. They're and basically settled in because Denver's a two and a half point favorite. Well, that's the, all the line movement. Like if they're kind of tied, they're tied into the Ravens. Yes. So if the Ravens lose, they're like locked in. And that's why we saw as soon as they announced these times, this line move. I locked in the Broncos at three and a half just because I knew the Bengals were probably going to beat the Ravens with how much the Ravens have struggled offensively. Um, And even if this was, even if that wasn't the case and these teams both played at the same time, I'd still be on the Broncos here plus the three and a half. Um, the chart, you have to look at it like this. What have the Chargers done? They've finally gotten the playoffs. They have people coming back. They're getting they're healthy. healthy. Why do they want to get them hurt? Why do they want to get people hurt? 
Um, I just want to back up, and that's because of that. I'm going to take the Broncos. Um, Ever and Carter have some contract incentives. Those uh, are the two that I was looking at that I was going to mention, right? Is it five for Everett? Yeah, you can kind of do some stuff with them. But because I don't think Eckler's going to play, I don't think Herbert's going to play, I don't think um, Allen's going to play, I don't think Williams is going to play. Because the Chargers have a legitimate dangerous roster, and they – are that team that could make that run. So why would you, you know what I mean? Why would you risk it? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to risk it. I think they rest a lot of people. I locked the Broncos in when it was plus three and a half. I would still take them anything under three. They did look a lot more organized. And, and um, well, you know what I liked is they made adjustments. They yeah. actually looked a little bit different, right? Yeah. They had two tight end sets as their primary grouping. They used Wilson as a runner a little bit more. They called play action more frequently. You come in, you change some things. Yeah. I like to see that. Who knew? Albert O, you have this big athletic tight end that can catch and block and you play him and he actually produces. He was at Hackett's doghouse for whatever reason it was. You know, it's not my reason place to speculate what it was, but you know, he caught a touchdown. He looked a lot better. Um, And the team, like, you saw these guys come to Russ's defense a little bit on Twitter. Um, You know, maybe getting, maybe a lot of that stuff was Hackett because Hackett, Hackett's going to allow that stuff to happen. He's going to allow Russ to have his office, Russ to have like so many parking spots. He's allowing that stuff to happen. You know what I mean? If you're a coach, you just say no. And the person listens to you and respects it. He kind of allowed that to happen. It sounds like this new guy, Russenberg is kind of, even the playing field a little bit, got people to respect a little bit. Um, I will say this. I don't think there's a chance in hell that Sean Payne goes there. Um, we can all kind of agree the top four quarterbacks in the NFL are what? Mahomes, Allen, um, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, and Joe Burrow. You have four games a year against Herbert and Mahomes. Why would you do that? Why would you go to Denver, especially like, you know, offensive line concerns, quarterback concerns, with how poorly Wilson has looked. So yeah, I, I don't think Payton's going to go there, but in this game, I absolutely love the Broncos. I locked him in at the plus three and a half, anything under three, I'll definitely go. Yeah. You got the defense who had two uh, forced two turnovers. They tipped a field goal, right? Like that shows you that they had a little bat, like they were trying, right? The defense yeah. was, was playing and the chargers, they're locked into a playoff spot. They could be a fun um, playoff team. This year, Eckler, 103 receptions. That's the third highest single season in NFL history for a running back. Five more, he would move to number two all time. Um, 116 is the record. He would you know, need 13 carry, uh, thirteen receptions to, to hit that. That would be unlikely. Uh, Bosa played 47% of the snaps last week. And first game since week three, it would be nice for them to have all these guys back as we move to the Rams and the Seahawks. So this one's weird. The Seahawks will be trying to win, but after, so they try to win, then later on. Seahawks got screwed. I mean, like, let's just call it what it is. Seahawks got absolutely screwed. NFL tries to do this thing where they're not, oh, we don't, it's not rigged. But when you do stuff like this, it comes off like it's rigged. It comes off like the Seahawks are going to lose this game. So it sets up whoever wins between Detroit and Green Bay will get in. Obviously, if Seattle wins this game, Detroit is eliminated from the playoffs. So you could get a less than a better effort from the Lions. 
this game and the Packers Lions game should be playing at the same time. It's kind absolutely, of BS. absolutely. Um, that it's 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 BS. They're not. Um, it is an interesting game. Did you hear the big? Did you hear the big rumor going around? The big rumor is Stafford is eligible to come off the IR this game, and he wants to play to try to help to get the Lions into the playoffs. Which I don't think. I, oh, I that would. That would be hilarious. Internet, internet chatter, but it was it was kind of funny. Um, in this game, though, look, I did take the Rams plus the six and a half. Again, teams that need to win playing eliminated teams playing team that needs to win sixty two percent ATS. Um, and why is that? You know, the public perception overvalue these teams. McVeigh is sixty four percent ATS versus Carroll. He's 67% as a road dog versus Carroll. And if you just looked at the last five weeks of DVOA, these teams are basically even. Mayfield's come in. Now, I have my issues with Baker Mayfield, but he's settled down the quarterback position for the Rams. They have looked a lot better with him there. And um, Sean McVay treating him like golf, basically just telling him what to do and him just doing it. Seattle is is 24th against the run. Cam Akers right now is one of the hottest players in the whole league. I think the Rams are going to be able to move the ball on the, on the ground with the run. And then also Bobby Wagner still playing Bobby Wagner with Donald out. He's kind of taken over that role as the leader of the Rams defense. And he remembers what happened um, with Seattle kind of running him out of town. I like the Rams here. I, I I bet him at plus six and a half. I'll probably do a little bit of a sprinkle on this money line too, because it wouldn't surprise me if they won this game. They should have won that game earlier in the season when John Walford was playing, but uh, they had some mistakes. So yeah, I like. I bet the Rams here. I gave this one out Tuesday on my uh, on my stream. Yeah, I like the Rams also in this spot. Five and eleven. That's the most losses ever by a, a Super Bowl champ from the year before. Six nine and one against the spread. Seattle eight and eight, seven and nine against the spread. They kept themselves alive. They ran the ball better last week with Walker with DJ Dallas too. Um, the template of that game was much different. They got up early so they could run the ball. The last few games they had been coming from behind. Geno Smith, only the second quarterback in Seattle history to throw for 4,000-plus passing yards in a season. He passed that against Jets, his former team. They've only had one quarterback do so in a season, Joe Namath, back in 1967. The Rams now, uh, you mentioned Akers, another really good game. He uh, had for 100 yards for the second straight week, 19 carries, 123 yards. So, you know, maybe someone to give a look in some DFS spots as we move. You know, 19 for what was it? 19 for 123. 123. Yeah. Yeah. Second straight week. He had a 42 yard play that went for 33 yards over expected. Yep. So I love seeing the, the, the yards over expected plays, which yeah. means you're, you're getting good vision and you're, you've yep. got a little bounce in your step, you know, 17 for 60 and two touchdowns when they played in week 13, just a great matchup. It's crazy to think he's going to finish right. With how bad he started, he's going to finish right at that RB2 line. Yeah, like his projections were. Right at that RB. But that's the thing, though. Like, he came back way too early. You know, know. everyone thought. And I, you know, I You were were all over that. Yeah, You were all over that. It takes time for your body. These guys are high-level athletes. He came back at the end of last year, and that really screwed him all up, I think. Right? Got to kind of keep that in mind. You know, this is. 
this is the acres we saw when he came into the league. This is the acres I loved. I was all hyping seeing he was the best running back in the class. But you know what? It just takes time. I'm glad to see it. I think he has a huge game. Um, you know, in the DFS build we're doing, he's actually going to be one of the players. Final two games of the season, the regular season, the Giants and the Eagles. Giants nine, six, and one straight up, twelve and four against the spread. Eagles thirteen and three, eight and eight against the spread. Now the Giants are set. They are in the playoffs. Now they can actually I think they can improve their position, right? But they're not gonna no, I mean like locked in. They're, they're kind of okay, so they're locked into their spot, but the teams around in. them could move. That's they're, sort of they're gonna play the third divisional winner. Yeah. They're gonna that they're locked in. They'll play either the Vikings or the um, the 49ers, 49ers based on what happens with their team's and records. There you we have to think of it like this. What there's no reason for the ball to play anyone of value in this game. Nope. Especially a Daniel Jones, a, a Barkley, any of their defensive guys, offensive linemen, no reason at all. No reason. And then also another reason is it's a good possibility if they go in and they beat Minnesota, which I think they could because we're, none of us are high on Minnesota and they lost on a last second field goal in overtime just a couple weeks ago. Why would you do anything and put anything more on film? I know. You know, there's I no reason. It's going to be a very generic, very, you know, like generic turnaround, hand the ball off game film. It's looking like Hertz is going to play from everything I've heard. Um, and I, they're kind I think of, he's going to. they're kind of in a position where you have to play him because you, yeah. you can't play for a month and get that timing back. Um, he's another guy you could throw into DFS. Um, I just, yeah, I, to me, you play the Eagles, you play nothing at all here. And yeah, I, I, the, the only thing I, I was weirded out by with the Eagles, right? So they've, they've had some issues with the offensive line. They got the ball back with Gartner last week and had a chance, you know, late in the game. And he threw a bad interception. I'm not going to say that he played well or anything last week. But the coaching staff, so they're down early, 13 to nothing. They, had, they ran the ball in the second half two times. Two times. Why would you do that to Gardner Minshew? Like you got to run the ball. I mean, you're only it's you're just, only down thirteen nothing. How, how their offense is set though is so they, much of the on hurts stuff. I know, and and, and that's the problem is that hurts. So it's like you're not going to go in, especially to go into the playoffs and like start implementing new stuff and new running schemes. So I mean, I kind of get it and I kind of understand it. It just um, it just it put him in a really bad spot because the like defensively they were playing a Saints team who's been playing a lot better recently defensively. And they knew that they weren't going to really run the ball a lot of the time, you know? And so I'm not taking a whole lot out of that game last week. I'm not really taking a whole lot out of the games with Minshew for them, but I do think this is still a good football team. I think you're right. You want to get Hertz in here. You have them come back, you win this game, and then you can have Hertz relax a little bit for the next couple of weeks because you can have a buy and you're in good and you're in good shape. We'll talk more about Daniel Jones in the year he had this year. I thought he was excellent, but I hope to not see him on the field very much in this game. Sunday night football. If Seattle, well, Green Bay just needs to win and get in. Your Lions need to win this game and a Seattle loss will put the Lions in. Both of these teams are 8 and 8. The Lions 11 and 5 against the spread. Green Bay 8 and 8 against the spread. Green Bay Lost to the Lions earlier this year. Green Bay was three and six, then four and eight. They had lost five straight games. 
They beat the Cowboys. Then they lost back-to-back games. They had lost seven out of eight. Now, after four straight wins, they can get into the playoffs. I, I don't think their wins are, are that great. And now they've been one of these teams where things are like bouncing their way. And they've been a little bit lucky. They had four takeaways, three interceptions, and a fumble. Now, back-to-back games with four takeaways for the first time since 2016. That doesn't happen very often. Um, Alexander slowed Jefferson down. He lined up against him on 20 of his 31 routes. It wasn't like he was locking him down one-on-one, though. They were getting a lot of help on Jefferson. And the recent wins for them, they're a bit fluky. Everything that went their way against the Vikings last week. It was like, that was more, I think, of the Vikings season of all those lucky bounces for the Vikings coming back against them. Look at, you know, they played the second and third string Rams. They played the Dolphins and they were down big. And then Tua gets hurt and they end up coming back in the second half. Um, They played the Bears who were really, really struggling. And then last week, kick return touchdown, pick six. In the first time, they got a kick return for a touchdown and a pick six in the same game since 1967. They had 14 points with 14 yards of total offense to start the game. Like that, Those kind of things don't happen. So, I mean, everybody's like, Aaron Rodgers, he's doing it again. He hasn't been playing that well during yeah, this stretch. Look at the numbers, he has not been that good. Um, there's that false narrative going around on Twitter that ever since Love came into the game, he's playing inspired. But if you look at the numbers, he's really not um, – you kind of hit the nail on the head. The main thing has been their luck has just kind of turned around. First half of the season, kick return, special teams were god awful. Now they're getting kick return touchdowns, and they just weren't converting on fourth downs. Now they're starting to get fourth downs. They're starting to convert um, fourth downs. They do have some key rookies on the defensive end that are playing a little bit better. But for me in this game, you know, everyone that's listened to this, you know, knows how big I am in offensive line and defensive line. Um, I have my own rankings and my own stuff I look at. Uh, this right here was the biggest advantage, the Lions offensive line against the um, Packers defensive line. I think they're going to be able to move the ball effectively, running the ball. Packers have really struggled defending the run. I think it's going to be a heavy run script of um, J.C. Jackson, uh, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, they're going to lean on that run game and they're going to really limit Goff throwing the ball because they don't want to get in a game where you have to rely on Jared Goff to throw. I think they're really going to lean on the offensive line. Defense has been playing better. Um, Hutch has been getting to the quarterback. This line opened up at three. I think this line is just kind of inflated because of how well the Packers have looked on paper winning these games. Teams, four-game winning streak um, at home. You know, they're only 48% ATS. Um, I just don't know how the Packers are going to be able to stop the run. And I really think the Lions are going to lean on this offensive line. Yeah, they got to lean on the run in the weather. Try not to ask. Not necessarily something that I think Jared Goff can't do. I think it's become a little bit overstated. Like we've seen him go outdoors this, this year and do okay a couple of times. All the playmakers are here. This is a huge game. For the Lions, you know, they beat the Bears, so they do still have a shot. This has been a good season for them now. You're playing in these big, meaningful games. Hutchinson, Houston, St. Brown all had really nice games. They've all had a good year. Hutchinson, three interceptions on the year. That's the most by any defensive lineman in the Super Bowl era. He's the only player in the league this year that has five sacks and three interceptions. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of guy that 
you need these playmakers after a one in six start. They're a 500 team with a chance to finish above 500 and go to the playoffs. Their tight end, right? He had two touchdowns. Zilstra had three a couple weeks back. Their tight ends have 12 touchdowns this year, even after having traded Hawk. It was the eighth 30 point game of the year. The most in franchise history, the defense sacked field seven times. They're currently a top 10 team in DVOA. They're number nine overall in DVOA this year. They yeah. scored on six of their first seven drives. They completed passes to 10 different receivers. And, you know, the, the number that everyone will be pointing out, they're 3-19 and 19 in their last 22 at Lambeau, but I believe 4-3 and three in the last seven. So, recently, they've played much better. Let's do it, Eric. Let's get your Lions home here. It's, it's I would love it. I mean, like, I'm, I have a good future. Um, I think I got them, like, 9-1 to one at the beginning of the year to make the playoffs. Um, right now... If you think they're going to make the playoffs, your best play is not to bet the playoff prop. You actually get a better ROI if you bet their money line and the Rams money line. So that's just something for people to listen, listen and do that parlay because you can get better, better ROI on that. Eric, talk to us about what you have coming up this week. Uh, I got my podcast coming out on Friday. Uh, me and my boy, Nick, give you a DFS lineup. David and I, give you our four best bets of the weekend. We went four and last week and I we're 29, 12 and two for the season. And, and the Santa Anita pick streams are back. Yep. Eric and I will be doing those on Friday. I'm not, I'm going to, we're going to record them on Friday. I'm not sure exactly when I'll play. It might be a little bit after when, uh, when we do it live, but these will be coming out Friday. Those are for every Saturday and for every Sunday. I just watched my Trojans come back from down 20 and uh, they force UCLA to miss a shot. And then UCLA gets the rebound and hits the shot to go up by one with 10 seconds left. USC has a chance to win, but I'm sitting here like, Oh my gosh, cannot, cannot believe what's going down as we, uh, we finish up here. Man, it's been a good run to the year, but we'll do our pleasantries at the end of the the playoffs because we still have a lot to to cover, man. We now now the really fun good stuff comes over the next month or yeah. so. Thanks so much, buddy. I hope you have a uh, a great next few days. I'll be talking to you a lot Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sounds good, my friend. Talk soon. Make sure to give Eric a follow there. Don't go anywhere, folks. A lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. So you want to set the mood? something all natural soy wax non-toxic baby since for every season now don't be afraid baby just spell it out C-E-R-A-N-O-S.com. and don't forget promo code Gino gets you 10% off mm-hmm. Great gift. Anytime you need something for someone, you're not sure what to get, candles and get, tell them the story. These are all natural. They're soy wax. They're healthier for you, and they're actually going to burn a little bit longer because of that soy wax, because of the wick, and they're better to breathe in. You don't want to be breathing in those toxins, those carcinogens, those pollutants that a lot of the other leading candle brands have. Candles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, the promo code G-I-N-O will get you 10% off your purchase. Let's finish this thing up with wrestling with Chad Cooper. We get into the news a little bit about New Japan. Sasha Banks, Mercedes Monet, 
WWE SmackDown. John Cena was back last week. We get into Raw. We get into NXT and AEW on This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. Everything going on in the world of WWE with SmackDown, with Raw, with AEW, with NXT. But we're also going to talk a little bit this week about some things outside. Because Chad Coop, I stayed up late the other night, watched a little Wrestle Kingdom and from New Japan Pro Wrestling. We had Sasha Banks make uh, her long-awaited debut. Nobody really knew exactly where she was going to show up. There was a big rumor that she would be going to New Japan. She showed up this weekend. As Mercedes Monet. Now, um, I didn't love the the way she came out and her promo, and I didn't even like a lot of what she did. But she's getting really good buzz following it, and I'm sure she's going to sell a ton of merch. And I guarantee there will be people that haven't watched Stardom or New Japan before that were probably tuning in that night because they thought she was going to show up, and maybe they'll tune in again for her. So. I have some conflicting feelings here because she's a big star, but I wonder if she's the type that's like a creative person because that's different, right? Being talented and being creative and being able to kind of have like tell your own story creatively. Those are two different things. Yeah. The army like Taylor, like Taylor Swifty, the Swifties, yeah. they're, they're oh, going yeah. after you. Um, Thanks, man, army. It's, just, it, <laughs> it's just weird. Um, you know, when you're used to seeing someone in the WWE for so long and pretty much was probably a majority of her career, um, you just, they're just such a fine-tuned machine, and things usually just go so smoothly. Um, you, you really don't think anything of it until you see that person go work for another company or organization, and it's completely different. And, uh, I, you know, I I, I'm I'm like you. I expected a few, you know, bumps and bruises uh, through that process. Uh, yeah, a lot of hype going in, a lot of hype coming out. It, it, you know, it's going to take a while getting used to, number one, just because the name change. And we talk about that a lot, you know, when those who contracts are out at AEW or, excuse me, WWE, and they end up signing with uh, either a, AEW or uh, Impact. So it's a... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where she goes from here because uh, there's a lot of tight lips about uh, her being the mystery partner here upcoming uh, in AEW. Um, you know, they've been known to throw some clunkers um, in some of those mystery partner it's, uh, type You know, matches, it's funny because so. we can we can cover a lot of ground here because so for AEW this week, they have a show sure. coming up next Wednesday at the forum. I'm actually going to be there. That's right. You are with my my buddy, Matt. We just finalized some plans uh, yesterday. Tickets aren't that expensive. We're going to go give it a look. And they announced that Soraya will have Tony Storm be her partner. But the way they set it up, they did it in kind of a shitty way to, yeah. <laughs> to, to yeah. Sheeta. Um, and so they teased maybe Sheeta 
with a heel turn, I could see something like Sheeta taking out Tony Storm and they're not being a partner and she needs someone and then there's she a surprise. Out. Sure. You know, sure. we and could I, do something like that. that for sure. or, yeah, because they're, they could be swerving you to swerve you again. But I think what they may have, what honestly might happen, I think they may not even have something done yet. May like, not, and that's I a think very good possibility. There may be no deal done. And this way, it buys you another week. So then, if you <laughs> have, if you can get something done between now and then, great. If not, you can just go with Tony Storm. Well, let me tell you this, and I, I know this from a couple of people with inside some promoters and some guys and uh, ladies that that do a lot of uh, signings um, and all that stuff. There was no secret when she left WWE. The contract was up. She did some signings, and her signing of her her rate. Just to come and sign for like an hour was ten grand. So, if AEW is uh, going to be the one that pulls this off, she's likely going to be paid. You, you talk about equal pay. She's going to make a lot more than a lot of those male stars in AEW. I can just tell you that right now. This will probably be one of the top two or three, maybe maybe four. Um, salaries that they're going to have. She's not going to come cheap. It, 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 no offense. Uh, this is not a page. This is not a Tony storm. I'm not comparing her, her, her ring abilities that are, that are, are they better than Tony storm? Are they better than this? I'm just telling you her career in WWE, she's been able to make some money outside of the wrestling ring. And if you're charging 10 grand to show up for an hour, just to show up and sign autographs, imagine what someone's got to pay her, especially here in the United States, uh, you know, where you're directly competing with WWE. When you go overseas, uh, New Japan and uh, stardom and those type of, uh, you know, those type of organizations and wrestling companies, you really don't have that WWE direct competition. Yeah, WWE, you know, has status over there, but it's not anything like it is in North America. So if they do, if she does, you know, show up next week at, at the old fabulous, fantastic forum that you're there, um, they will have paid her a lot of money. And I'm, we have to at least mention it. Like, who knows if she could even show up at the Royal Rumble in a few yeah, weeks. I, you, you, you don't like, know, man. We, you don't uh, know on, because, look, that, that is going I, – I, I will be disappointed, thoroughly disappointed in WWE if this is not one of the better Royal Rumbles and has the most surprise appearances in it. Because last year was a disappointing one. They played it way too safe with two Royal Rumble winners that didn't even need to be in the Royal Rumble. You could have just put them right in the title matches at any point. It was a bummer. And this year, it just feels a lot more wide open. The reason why I decided to, you know, pay, I think it was seven bucks for the New Japan. I used to subscribe to it before and watched a lot more before AEW when, like, Kenny and the Young Bucks and a lot of these guys were over there. Um, When I was looking through the card, there were actually a lot of, Folks that we were familiar with that were on that card, um, just kind of rattling through real quick. Um, we saw, you know, uh, uh, Suzuki, someone who's come into AEW a few different times, but TJP, who was the, the winner of the Cruiserweight Championship, Leo oh, Rush, wow. uh, were on a match earlier in the card. Kyrie Sane won the women's championship match. And then after that, that was when Mercedes Monet came out. So you literally had a match where you had TJP winning, then you had Kyrie winning and Sasha Banks coming out right afterwards, you know, hey, so what, like what, what, the night before, which promotion does uh, Shinsuke work? 
Nakamura worked the night before. Let me find that one out. I did not see that match, but apparently it was great because yeah. it was all part of the tour because yeah. they're on the um, basically like on the goodbye tour right now to Kijimoto, who was the uh, the great Muda. So he's yeah, kind of yeah. on his retirement. We've seen the great Muda in NWA and WCW years ago with, you know, Ric Flair and Sting and, all, and you know, involvement with Luger and all sorts of stuff there. Um, FTR, they ended up losing their tag team championship match on the, uh, on the show. So they kind of continue to lose, but they had a good match. Zack Sabre Jr. was on the show. Carl Anderson was on the show from who's in WWE right now. He actually was still a champion and he defended that championship. And then we had Kenny Omega with uh, Will Ospreay in a really good match that went like 35 minutes. And then you have uh, Okada and Jay White. So there were just a lot of non-Japanese wrestlers or folks from all over the world that I was familiar with. I decided to give it a watch. It was fun. I mean, Six hours long, the show. So definitely, <laughs> definitely a, a, a bit much. But got got a little uh, buzz in the wrestling world this week. But the 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 best show in all of wrestling right now, and it has been for all of the this year because I've been listening to a lot of you know WW or year in review shows from places now. That's what happens at the end of the year, the start of a new year. Everybody talks about what went down in 2022, and I, anyone who tries to say that there was any promotion or anything other than SmackDown being like the best show, the most high profile show. You had the wrestler of the year in Roman Reigns. You have the storyline of the year with the bloodline all on SmackDown. And I mean, by far, when you just think about the wrestling year that was last year, it was dominated by Roman and the bloodline. And that's what we got last week which was a really fun show. I mean, it felt like you and I were texting throughout the show. It just felt like a huge, huge show where we have John Cena and Kevin Owens in the main event against Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns. And, man, they built the match. It was fun. I would have loved to see it go a little bit longer, but I think we could tell that Cena was kind of limited in what he could do. I don't think he's in, like, the greatest shape right now. And they were, you know, they were using Cena's name a little bit to – to get some buzz for the match, but it was fun. And it, it felt like a big show last week on Friday night, man. Yeah. I, I, I'm the same. If, if I'm going to nitpick that match, uh, I would have liked to seen it go uh, a little bit longer. I think it was timed out at uh, 10, 11 minutes, but for, you know, for TV, something like that. Uh, and yeah, I'm with you about Cena. Um, the guy's in phenomenal shape, but uh, one, one thing's for certain uh, wrestling shape is not the same as, you know, going to the gym and, and, and hitting the weights and doing some light cardio, it's a little bit different. Um, and I'm also, you know, making fun of myself here. It's also good to see someone as good looking as him have that bald spot because I have the exact same bald spot that just keeps growing and growing on <laughs> Cena. And I know a lot of people will make, make fun of it on Twitter, but uh, I, I'm in the exact, I'm the exact same way. So I'm good old. Man, and the, then look, he, the massive, look, he came out, the, the pop. Was, and the ratings, dude, was oh man, there's so much, there was so much heat on the bloodline in that match. It, it was just man, that, the whole show was phenomenal. The ending was just uh, fantastic, man. Just a lot of things going well right now on SmackDown, and Bray Wyatt was a big buzz, yeah, story for a while. 
And and I think Bray has been fine. Like I'm not saying Bray has been bad, but what ends up happening is it seems like every week our guy LA Knight is kind of stealing the the spotlight from yeah. Bray when they have interactions. And I'm as I hear more podcasts and I read more write ups and recaps, people that weren't really big fans of LA Knight before are starting to go, man, this guy's kind of got it. Like I think he might kind of. We've always felt like he would be a perfect fit for the WWE main roster just with what he's good at. He's fantastic on the microphone. He comes off natural. He can be a heel or a baby face. And and he's better, a lot better in the ring than I think people give him credit for. Oh, look, we've been preaching this uh, for how long? Eli Drake. I mean, uh, he, was yeah. of, he, he was one of the main reasons. And there wasn't a lot of reasons. But he was the one one of two uh, reasons why I uh, made it a point to watch TNA Impact every week because he was he was that darn good, and to to see him be able to do this on SmackDown, you know SmackDown is the show that that's as you mentioned has just been on fire uh, for several years now, and to be a player on Friday nights in two hours, not Raw. Raw, where you know you can have uh, a little bit longer time to develop the character. You may be in one or two, maybe three segments on Monday night. But to be on a loaded roster on Friday night and him to do this, um, he he's he, he's getting a lot of buzz and well deserved. Now I'm interesting here what comes out of this. Uh, I think what he, he challenged him to a match at Royal Rumble. Then a stipulation mm-hmm. came pitch out. Pitch black match. A right? pitch black match, right? And then we saw Uncle Howdy. And I just immediately text you this. You know, this, this got to be Bo. Bo, right? Dallas, right? Just has to be. Yep, we saw Uncle Howdy come out first. La Knight gets to mock Bray, and when he does the Bray impersonation. <laughs> Dude, when he turned on Bray is what, like, what the hell is going on? Because we thought, you know, at at least I did, that that Howdy and Bray had some kind of uh, little coalition, little little partnership going there. But uh, no, not after Friday night. He he turned on him. So could this be a way to really have fun with this feud? Because you could actually have LA Knight win a match. That's the first thing I thought of. And move on. And yeah. not have him kind of get uh, like any stank on him because it seems like for Bray Wyatt, this isn't as much about LA Knight as it is obviously about Bray and Uncle Howdy and like him kind of fighting with himself. They may be telling this longer story with Bray, especially you know? with Howdy. And I agree. And the, the another point that uh, you have to ask is I mean, LA Knight, you know, w- was brought in and uh, he was moved up. Wasn't in a very good storyline. It crapped out. It is what it is. They put him with Bray Wyatt. Now, he gets a win over Bray Wyatt. I assume he does. Where does he go from here? Because you're you're talking top, you're talking top star. That puts you in a good spot with him. In a really good spot with him. And you you could put him right up into intercontinental mix and then maybe even a you know what I mean? Like you're right there battling for the titles if they wanted to do that. Heck, he could even be above that level if that's where they wanted to go. But this is really important, I think, for LA Knight just to not be – I don't feel like – I was worried at the beginning, like, uh uh-oh, they're going to throw him in with Bray Wyatt maybe. And it doesn't feel like that now. Like, he's been given – like, his his 
own part in this, right? This he so I've at least been excited about that. And yeah, who the hell knows what's going on with Uncle Howdy? We'll see. Is that Bo Dallas? We had Sami Zayn take the fall last <laughs> week um, for the bloodline. So, like, where we sit right now, like, well, let's kind of go. Solo Sokoa keeps looking badass. He got a win over Sheamus. Um, in they beat really, the hell out of each other, man. Right? Really? That, what a what a what a good opening match that was. Really good match. And then after the match, Drew came back from injury and helped when the uh, the Bloodline were going for the beatdown. So we got the Usos versus Drew and Sheamus this week on Friday. Um, overall, where do you think we're going now with the Bloodline? Like, where we sit a few weeks out, is it going to be? Is Roman going to be pissed that Sammy lost this match? Is he going to want to start turning on Sammy now? Or do you think they tell this story for a while longer? Like, is this is this something where they look around and go, hey, you know what? Maybe we don't have, like, Sammy and Roman at WrestleMania. Maybe we keep telling this and we wait and we turn it in SummerSlam or, you know, down the line. What's your kind of feeling right now where we sit with the bloodline and what you think is going to happen? Well, eventually you think, you know, that turn is coming. Um, I like what they did uh, on Monday night uh, when they kind of just caused chaos. Um, it, there, there's, there's no telling. I, I'm, I honestly think, um, I, you know, we. It was months ago when Sami Zayn was in the mix and he joined the Bloodline and uh, he kind of forced his way into the Bloodline and it has just become. I, you know, it's like looking at a map and seeing all these different directions you can go to get to a certain point. And I'm still, you know, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I, I just think that Zane is it could be such a massive baby face. I don't think they could go wrong if if they got to the point they wanted Roman versus Sammy for the world title. If, if that happened, Sammy Zayn's going to win that. Now, I know. If, yep. You know, he see it happening. I don't know, but if that match does take place, Sammy Zayn's going to be your world champion. Because there's so many things to talk about right now, where we sit. Like, is Roman going to defend the the two titles on both nights? You know, yeah. is yeah. is are we going to have the other title just sort of eliminated or like you know recreated? Do we have guys fit, battling for like the Raw title again now? You know, is that something they go? Keep in mind, we're heading to Elimination Chamber in Montreal the month before we go to WrestleMania, where Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens would be the biggest baby faces in the world. Sure. You know, do you make that be a big stop along the way? All I know is this was a very good episode of SmackDown last week, and we have to mention at least one more big thing that happened on SmackDown. <laughs> you were happy. <laughs> Charlotte. Woo! God, I love me some Charlotte. I love me. And I know a lot of people don't. She's like a John Cena, which is funny. It's like you you, you crap on her when she's there, and then when she's gone, it's like, oh, but she, yeah, she could really be used right now. You miss her. You, and then she comes back, and she gets this huge baby face reaction like she's the biggest star in the world, and she after Ronda Rousey beat Raquel in what was a way better match than I thought from both of them. So, it, like, Ronda struggles a little bit in the longer matches in the ring, especially with someone like Raquel, who's kind of young. I thought the two of them did really, really well, and I thought Raquel looked good. Like, you think she still looks strong. And then right afterwards, Charlotte comes and gets the win. So Charlotte is your new SmackDown Women's Champion. How did you think all that went? Man, I, 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 I was shocked. 
You know, I, I thought, you know, we kept saying that, yeah, yeah, she's coming back, she's coming back, she's coming back. We thought for sure no later than the Royal Rumble, White, right? We even had her penciled in as probably, uh, you know, the chalk to win the Women's Royal Rumble. But this, this was, it, it was a little shocking. You know, uh, first the match with, uh, with Raquel, I, it was a lot better than I expected. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, you, you have, you know, two bigger physically bigger um, uh, women wrestling. Ronda doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Uh, Rodriguez does, but it's been on the, you know, in NXT and the indie, indie circuit. She's only been on the main roster, what, for, for several uh, months now. But, you know, coming out, um, Charlotte got the pop. I thought she was going to come out um, if she did and say, hey, I'm challenging you to the, at the Royal Rumble. Now nah, she was in gear. She was ready to go. And uh, I was shocked. I really was. I was shocked. And uh, it, it's just, uh, I, I guess you have a re- you have the uh, the rematch at Royal Rumble and you have that takes Charlotte out of the Rumble winning it, you know, which is which I think this year you could cut. It's, really it's, it's good. Yes, yeah, it's really very smart, smart because, you know, when she's in there, you kind of know she's going to be towards the end. It becomes a little predictable. Not that she was going to have to win again, but it just eliminates that possibility and people won't groan about it. Right. Sure, That's all. Sure. And and you know what? Charlotte's probably better suited to be in maybe a top tier match at WrestleMania right now than Ronda has been recently. Like, I think yeah, a little and, bit and, of the. Blue... Really, yeah. And I think it really, really helps the Royal Rumble picture. Uh, yes. Because if she's in that Rumble, she's probably she's probably going to win it. And that you probably I think you're 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 not you would have had more groans and complaints with her winning it. Like, oh, she comes back. You, you won't get that if Becky up. wins. No, will not, will not. And, and, and Becky probably like now will become your quote unquote favorite, but you'll have like Becky and Rhea and a couple and others. Bailey. Who, oh, sure, and, sure. You know, you'll, you'll have some and some prize names, but um, and, and, you know, and Becky's losing matches, and she has been, and, and you know the WWE's mo. You know, you lose, 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 then you turn it up, and uh, now I definitely think you know, even though Becky's on on Raw. I think this is a way to get Becky and Charlotte back and put them in that Mania match one-on-one that uh, WWE and the fans, all of us in the WWE universe has wanted. So it was a pretty packed SmackDown. I think they did a smart job in knowing that so many people were going to be tuned in to watch the Cena match, and and they had Charlotte come back. They had the good interaction with LA Knight and with Bray. They had um, what looks like you know Braun Strowman, Moving yep. forward to take uh, take on Gunther. Yeah, and I like the uh, path to destruction. Um, the package. Segment. Oh, yeah, the I love it. the video package where they all of a sudden they show Gunther. He beats Nakamura, Rey Mysterio, Sheamus, Ricochet, and now it's like, oh, that's a pretty good list of uh, of wins for Gunther. You know, like it's just little things like that when they show it to you again. I thought that was well done. And uh, hey, you know what? Starting this week, we're going to get some Royal Rumble qualifying matches. I love these. I've been called. Oh, this I is called, the best. I called for these a while back. So we get uh, Ricochet versus Top Dollar, and perhaps a perhaps a, a heel turn for Hit Row. It looks like. Yeah, and that's good. I, I think mm-hmm. Hit Row. Uh, I've had no problems with them being on the main roster and, and uh, resigning and coming back. Um, look, <laughs> we're we're sports minded guys. We 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 love. Who doesn't love the tournament? It doesn't matter what type of tournament, who doesn't love it, uh, unless it just goes south and we complain about it. But the qualifying <laughs> matches have always been fun. That's why I've always enjoyed King of the Ring, because they've had really, really, really good tournament matches for that. 
And uh, this is going to be a good match. Um, I will be pissed. Um, I will put that out there if Ricochet loses. So Me too. Win. You, you cannot lose over. this match. I know. No, he, no, there's no, no way. And then, and then maybe that's how they get the heel turn, right? Oh, Ricochet wins, 100%. and then yeah. after the match, the hit row tries to beat him down, and then you know, yeah, the old gimmick, sure. Yeah, that could that could help them. As um, yeah. So coming up in the next few weeks, we've got two weeks from now, Gunther versus Braun Strowman for the IC title, and then on Friday, tag team champion cha- uh, tag team championship match: Drew McIntyre and Sheamus versus the Usos. And Ricochet versus Top Dollar in the Royal Rumble qualifying match. Okay, so w- because we saw some of this on SmackDown and then it came over to Raw, I'm just going to talk about it now. Chad, if you would have told me like eight months ago or a year ago that Dominic Mysterio would be one of my favorite guys on the main roster right now, <laughs> I would have said, whatever you're smoking, you are just... Whatever you're smoking, send it over, Chad, because it's some good stuff. But, man, this guy is so entertaining right now. It is unbelievable what flipped in this guy, and he's just – you could he's having fun. So they show videos of Dominic and Rhea showing up at the Mysterios on Christmas. We saw them do this on Thanksgiving, and they came in, and they beat down Ray, and they, you know, they made a mess of the house. And so this time, the Mysterios were ready for him. And – so they call the cops and Dominic gets taken to jail and Dominic <laughs> cuts this promo on raw talking about, Oh my, like he's got the tear and he's talking about like doing time and man, this is fantastic stuff. This is like, I cannot believe this is the same guy. No, no. And it, it, it's become such a big hit. Um, it, look, how many matches has the guy wrestled since? Well, and that, what's what's perfect is and not he, many. It's not, he, and he's not even. This isn't like he's the WWE champion, right? This is where this should be on the card. This is like a middle mid card thing that's funny and hilarious. But it's like he's just running with it. It's exactly where it should be, and he's he's entertaining as hell. I cannot believe this man it's so uh, yeah, fun look I, uh, the memes were were out there on monday night they were comparing prison mike um from yep. the office you know and, uh, <laughs> and mike uh, i'm an office fanatic so some of you may, may, oh, may yeah. not get that love that but just look on raw who are the two biggest heels right now i would say dominic and austin theory probably i know I mean, two young guys and i love the fact that, that dominic has been able to get away with it without having to be in the ring a lot but man, that 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 uh, if you follow WWE social media, especially Twitter, um, that video they released of them going over there on Christmas was just absolutely fantastic. They have done they look they swing and miss on a lot of this stuff, and uh, I, I, from what I hear, I think they're going to swing and miss again with Bobby Lashley. Uh, I hope I'm hearing that the rumors are true that the Hurt business they're going to be back in business. It looks but like it. Yeah, they hit but, home runs, and when and they do. Should- they're grand slams, and this Dominic Rhea is a grand slam. We kept saying, when are they going to turn? What are they going to do? And you know what? If this culminates, which it looks like it's going to with a, a Ray-Dominic match at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's, the, the payoff and the wait was so worth it. It was so worth it getting getting some because of this the stuff. the story was told so good. It was. This is, this is our biggest, I, I believe, honestly, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but our one of two, our biggest complaints with the AEW is – the storytelling, the buildup to matches, yep. and we don't get that. That's why the the ratings are are, are what it is, and, and 
just the investment in it is down. But this is the home run. It's a grand slam. And, 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 and I could wait till what, April? Um, yes, because we know there's going to be something in the Rumble. Oh, right, there'll be a Rumble. Someone's eliminating the other. Ray's eliminating Dominic, and the Dominic. I'd like to see Ray eliminate Dominic. Me too. Like to see that, and then Dominic go crazy and challenge his dad (laughs) to a match at at Mania. Like it would just oh, great stuff. The old school '80s in indie territory match where Rhea's locked in a cage. Oh yeah, suspended above. Yeah, dolls locked in a cage in the old Mid South UWF. You know, (laughs) just good, good stuff. Uh, with the Mysterios. Let's continue on Raw. So they opened up Raw with the bloodline just, you know, beating up security guards, laying waste to everyone. And a lot of the main roster got got pissed. So Kevin Owens came out. Um, he wants, you know, he, he calls out Adam Pierce. He wants to take a shot at, you know, at the bloodline because they're 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 um threatening a hostile takeover of Monday Night Raw. So we get the Street Profits, Gallows, Alexander, Mustafa, Shelton. They go in to fight with the Bloodline. Bloodline end up leaving through the crowd. But we do say uh, we do get some matches set up throughout the night. First up, Elias wants to face Solo. So they have a Music City Street fight. <laughs> we have Kevin Owens and the Street Profits in a six-man tag against Sammy and the Usos there. We also had Hardy sitting ringside. Hardy got involved in uh, in the, one of the matches. He came in and he hit Solo with the guitar from the back. Didn't really have much of an effect on Solo. I will say that match, the uh, the street fight, I thought they did a pretty good job with both guys because Elias doesn't... He was in a pretty long match, and I thought he looked strong. He actually looked pretty intense out there. He looked like a guy who was kind of pissed off trying to get back at someone. And... I mean, Solo's been treated like he's an absolute star. They 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 think the world of this guy. Yeah, uh, you know we, you know it's it, it's funny with Ezekiel and Elias deal. We we really didn't know uh, what in the world was happening happening. Um, I you know I enjoyed this gimmick match. A lot of them I do not enjoy. You know the Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street is only once a year, so you you can't get mad about that one. I know, gotta love that one. But I like when Elias got the old tambourine out. And hit him and hit solo with the tambourine. <laughs> um, I thought it went a little long, um, but you know, so, uh, solo he he no sold several several things in there. When he no no sold that guitar match, it was or the guitar strike. It was that was great. I popped for it. It was really good. I like the I like the finish of the match too with the piano. You, I mean, that's hard to that's hard to not like. So I, I thought they did a good job with it. And we had Bianca versus Alexa. Which the match was fine. We have a DQ ending because it looks like we're just continuing along with the storyline more than anything. It looks like Alexa Bliss is now again possessed or thinking about or something going on with Bray Wyatt. We saw a logo. There was a fan with a creepy mask in the background and Alexa was kind of staring at him and she's sort of in a trance. And then she tackles the referee. (laughs) <laughs> and nails the ref, and uh, then we get a DQ ending after about 18 minutes. It went pretty long. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm torn here because the last time uh, Bliss and Bray got together, it it, it was terrible, and I, I, I'm not going to hold uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley uh, responsible for that because it was definitely under a different uh, director then. 
Um, I, I'd like to see them stay separated for a while. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, maybe if you, if you bring Bray Wyatt over for something on Raw or maybe even Uncle Howdy over for Raw. Um, I, I, I just, you know, I have some reservations about this because the Alexa Bliss with the doll stuff, you know, maybe a couple of weeks it was okay. Uh, but then there was just really no payoff. And then the payoff at WrestleMania was just a, a, a disaster. Um, you know, I, I don't know what we do here. I, I, what we do here. I, I don't think that Alexa Bliss is going to win this title by any means. Um, but it does give Bianca something to do uh, for a while. I, you know, who's the next challenger on, on, on Raw for Bianca Blair? I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they're, what they're planning on doing. Uh, if you and I and the rest of the WWE universe think that um, Becky is going to win the Rumble and then challenge Charlotte, which I would assume that would happen if she did, you know, who's next in line for Bianca? I don't know. I just don't want to get too much silliness into Alexa doing this crazy stuff. As long as they keep it somewhat movie believable instead of, you know, some silly things they did when uh, during Mania, then I'll be okay with it. But I, I'm still, eh, uh, I'm not going to, uh, to hold my breath on this. Yeah, I agree. I'm not exactly sure what to think. We'll uh, we'll let it play out, but I'm not optimistic at the moment. We got the bloodline, Sammy and the Usos picking up the win over Kevin Owens and the Street Profits. There is uh, you know, just a way to keep these guys strong after having uh, Sammy having lost a few days before in that tag team match against Cena and KO. Uh, following this, we had Dexter versus Gable. Loomis picks up a, a win here, and I, I just don't really know. I, I don't think they've done a great job with the Loomis, Gargano, no, Candice no. stuff. They didn't – their one worry I'm having about WWE, uh, what Triple H has been doing a little bit recently, is he's, he's kind of just assuming that everybody knows who all of these people are when they bring them back. Instead of introducing them, this is the same thing we have an issue with with AEW. Not everybody watches NXT. Not everybody watches New Japan or Ring of Honor. You can't necessarily just bring up Johnny Gargano and expect that everybody knew all of the storylines from NXT. He can be the same character. That's fine. I want him to be the same character. But you got to kind of reintroduce him to a new audience. They didn't really do that with Johnny, with Dexter, with Candice all that well. Someone like Bronson even who came up and then he's been gone for a few weeks. They're they're sort of at least giving us a video, I think, with him, right? We got a package yeah, yeah. at least of him, which is good. So I, I'm not sure. Maybe – I don't think they're – I don't feel like it's done or anything. Like I, I don't feel like Dexter and Johnny and Candice are like some lost cause, but it wasn't a good beginning for them. You have to just find a way to get – them into a better storyline to explain who they are more. I'm and we haven't seen Gargano now. He wasn't he wasn't there this week, right? No, we haven't. You know, and not to jump all over the place. I haven't seen Finn or uh, you know uh, in a while. I, you know, are, are you saying you think they made a mistake with Loomis, Miz, uh, putting them all together, or or do you think this has been a mistake the way how it's unfolded? Yeah, well. I think that it's been confusing for people as to why why is Dexter Loomis a baby face? You know what I mean? Like he's someone that yeah. no people don't know why they should be rooting for him on the main roster. No, I think it was convoluted. I, you know, he mm -hmm. was breaking into Miz's house. You know, look, the character on NXT was so fun. It was this guy who's mysterious, who drew things, 
we were like, hey, we didn't see him a whole lot. He would be on one little segment. He'd pop out from under the ring. I think we got that one time. They did uh, a better job playing into the fact that he doesn't talk much by letting him, you know, y- like use facials a little more and, and stuff. And, and they don't, I don't know. They, they've just the, crowd sort of, was, the crowd was dead for this. Dead Gable, for this. Gable was, was great. And I hate that he keeps losing. But When you got a guy that goes shh, shoosh to a guy <laughs> that doesn't talk. Does it talk? You know, yeah, you know. good point. <laughs> so, good point. So, uh, Cody Rhodes with the video yeah. package here, and this was good. Like that, I'm glad they've been starting to show these. And Cody has continued to say that he, you know, his dream. It's the first dream he ever had. He gets another shot at it now, and you know he wants the WWE title. So I, I imagine, you know, is it Cody Roman? Is it Cody winning the Rumble? Do they have that? WWE title broken off But I, I Cody's gonna get that Shot and he's gonna be in a big match At Wrestlemania I'm just not exactly sure Who with because What's so hard is that Roman's Got so much good stuff with the bloodline Or possibly even with the rock That does it fit Right now to have Cody in there Man I, I wish I could answer that I, I don't know Because uh, there's just so much Uncertainty with this Bloodline angle I know the creme de la creme Is The Rock and Roman Reigns I mean you call it what you want Absolutely. Say You don't want The Rock coming back Because he, he, he hasn't been back He's not a Cena type company guy At the end of the day You, you know that everyone on this planet uh, Would mark out to the rock versus Roman reigns. It just, oh, yeah. it, 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 it is what it is. So if you take that out of, you know, we've been saying, uh, you know, Cody's probably coming back here pretty soon. And with these weekly video packages now, even the year end review show, they had a, an interview, a taped interview with Cody Rhodes. So, uh, that's a rumble guy. Um, but I'm with you. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I, I don't know what to do here. It's just, and it's a good, it's a good problem to have. It, it's a very good problem to have. Um, it, it's just uh, this show does not have a flagship championship, and it has it for a while. And I think uh, when Cody Rhodes came back to the WWE, he was the guy. And so unfortunate that he lost. Um, and they have made maybe they've planned change. Uh, plans have changed and said even if Cody comes back, this is what we're going to do. Um, but then again, you know, it's, uh, when you don't have that big title, uh, on raw, it, it kind of throws a wrench into, into some things. And I just hate, ha- hate having to try to chase and think what this going to happen. This it's a very good problem to have. Yeah, you're right. And uh, one thing you said, you were not sure if you were going to love, looks like we get the hurt business back together. MVP yeah. Shelton and Cendric Lashley, talking know. to Adam Pierce uh, look, it, even it, if those guys came back and won, beat the Usos, are, are you going to get involved in? What, are you going to get committed to the hurt business again? No, I don't know. I'm just being honestly. And I, I look, Bobby and they'll Lashley, probably have Omos with guy. them, right? Oh, It'll probably geez. be Omos in the mix with them. I don't. Him and Lash, Lashley not getting along, and then hopefully the two forces can when they they tag for the tag. Hey, they may be the ones that upset the bloodline. Then we'll be really <sighs> I know. I just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think the. The last few weeks haven't done great for Lashley. He was in a good no, spot, no. and they they haven't really run with this story with, with everything with Adam Pierce. What happened? Now we had Damage Control and Becky Lynch in a match where Becky was trying to take them on one on two, 
but we had Mi Chin, Mia Yin come out, Mia Yim come out during the uh, the match to help with the save, but it didn't really matter because yeah. Damage Control still picked up the victory. I mean, the match was good. It went pretty long. It went 14, 15 minutes. I think there's, it's again, it's not like I dislike what's been happening with Damage Control. They just kind of feel, I don't know, like it's it, maybe it's something with these women's tag team titles or because there's it's no the curse, division because <laughs> right because there's it's not like a division you don't really feel like there's a lot going on there or there's a lot of teams you know no and, and, and this this match uh, says all of that uh, when you put Mia Yim mentioned whatever uh, with Becky Lynch you know they're hurting for women's tag team titles now. I am probably waiting, and, and Becky, you know, kind of dropped the hint there. I would assume that Damage Control is probably, uh, maybe could be the ones that eliminate Bailey in the Royal Rumble. I assume they're probably going to turn on her. Bailey, as good as a heel she is, she's so over with the fans on, on the face side. So, yeah, there's, there's no, there's no, it, it's been a curse with these belts. It really has. It's really been a curse with these belts. Uh, didn't Raquel and, uh, What's her Raquel name? Raquel and um, Aaliyah. She got hurt. Aaliyah got, mm-hmm. and didn't make it. She got hurt. And so, yeah, it's been a curse. Yeah. It's been a curse. We had the video about Bronson Reed, who, um, yeah, just kind of showed us some highlights of him in NXT, which is good. That's fine. Show, and, and, and I'd like to see him have a nice little run in the Royal Rumble. It I agree. It be at the end. It could be early, you know, because that match is going to be an hour. Yep. And eliminate a few guys. Yep. Look strong. That's all you need from someone like that. We had the U.S. Championship match, Austin Theory versus Seth Freakin' Rollins. This was a very good match. Oh, yeah. And Theory has been really good. He gets the uh, the cheap shot in as uh, he hits the, the chop lock to the knee, and he hit the low blow. 22 minutes, Austin Theory gets the win. Now, following this, <laughs> Rollins has tweeted some, like— is is he really hurt right now? You know, it could be. I don't know if if, if you are. He he uh, he sold he sold this well, but after he tweeted something that he tweeted when he got hurt a couple years ago, like rebuild, re, and hopefully it was just a you know the storyline thing because man, Seth Rollins is a babyface, and this this was perfect in that you got Austin the win to make him look strong. But you can take Seth out of this now and put him into the Rumble as someone who feels like they're a major player in there. Yeah, and again, uh, we, we've put him in the top three or four possibilities that could really happen because you and I both know we would love to see Seth. Seth Roman at any Roman. point which is fine. At any right? point. You know, at, at, at any point. And he's a, you know, hopefully it's not true because he he's, I he may not be the favorite to win the Royal Rumble, but he's, you know, if you're putting a superfecta together with with it's, four four guys, that's why I think the men's version of the Royal Rumble this year is a lot more intriguing than the women's. Because it can only be Seth, Cody, The Rock, or Sammy. Sure. Right. I mean, I don't yeah. think it could be anybody else. Yeah, I, I really. We, don't think I, Rick, uh, we love Ricochet. Ricochet's not winning it. No, Drew McIntyre just had his moment. It's not going right. to be Drew. Those guys Ke- may win the briefcase at, at one point, but they're not yep. going to win the Rumble. Because remember, you're you're going to headline Saturday or Sunday. Kevin Owens could is probably going to be at the Rumble. We could have Kevin Owens and Sammy versus the Usos, but it's it's not going to be anybody else. It's going to be no. one of those guys. Um, even like a Cena, it wouldn't. I don't think like if Cena said he wanted to wrestle that match, maybe. I just I don't think that would 
would be him. It's not going to be Brock again. It's Seth has a legitimate shot. It's probably not the time because there are other stories being told with Sammy, but he has a legitimate shot there. Seth Rollins is uh, we move to NXT. So NXT opened up with some highlights of 2022. And then we got a Carmelo Hayes versus Apollo Crews match right off the bat. Really good match. Oh, and then, man, it was good. So the, the NXT right now, or what they've done in the last year, where they've had Dolph Ziggler go down there and have good matches. They had Mandy Rose go down there for a yeah. year. They have yeah. the New Day. And guys like Apollo Crews, he hasn't won the title or anything, but he's had really good matches and been in big feuds with a lot of different guys from Grayson Waller to Braun Breaker. And now here with Carmelo, I wonder what is next for or what's to come for Apollo, but he hasn't, this hasn't been bad for him. Even losing, like this is still some of the best work he's ever done and some of the most we've really seen him consistently on TV. It's just, kind of weird that he's been on the losing end of all of these kind of these feuds yeah um i i you know it's you know they they could call people up and send people down at the drop of the hat i don't see him going back up anytime soon but at the same time um you know he He might need a heel turn yeah yeah i'm saying that and not one where you're you've got a gimmick voice um you know no no, you can't do that with him. He he's got to be 100%. Could you see him maybe being part of the hurt business? See, I would love him to come up with a heel turn and just say, "I've been too nice of a guy." That's yeah. really all he needs to say. Is like, "I've been too nice of a guy. I need to take this more seriously. I'm not here to make friends. I'm I know that I'm capable of being a main eventer, winning the title. I'm just going to do whatever it takes from now on." And we just see him cheat to win. And and be a heel. And I think he's had a he's even even right now in NXT where I think he's doing a good good work. Like the stuff with the tears and the eye. Yeah, and then the, him and Braun are fishing and stuff. <laughs> it's not like his character work is is great, but we all like he's a super likable guy and he's good in the ring. Like people yeah. want to see them on their TV. I think it might be better for him to just be like a badass heel. You're right. And not like it was last time where he's doing an accent and very they put rarely, the title on him. And, and then he was the, he, the he IC champ in the ring. He was always backstage doing something. It was weird. It was weird. <clears throat> we then followed with Carmelo winning with Axiom versus Trick Williams. And Axiom got a quick, a quick win over Trick. But man, every week more and more, like I love, I like Trick. He's just sure. entertaining. Like you see yeah, him is. outside of the ring. I don't think he's ever, or at least now, he's not quite ready in the ring, but he's a great best friend guy to be around Carmelo all the time, to be in his corner, to get, you know, hit. He's a and perfect kick. wingman. Let's he's just say it what perfect it is. Wingman. He's a wingman. You're absolutely right. He's a hype man and he could get beat quickly in any time. He's just out there like, Making me laugh with with just the way he, um, like his his he's a little bit unique his look and the way he moves and um, I, I like the package of Carmelo and Trick. Axiom gets the win and Axiom is continuing to build some momentum on NXT right now. We uh, then have the New Day. What are we doing here with the New Day and with Booker? Like what what is you know where are we going? 
with this. It, I don't know. It, it can't be just a coincidence, right? I mean, they cannot be having Booker bury Kofi and Xavier in the New Day, and now Xavier's on commentary fighting back against him. It, it almost feels like they're setting up a match, but I don't know what or what what they could be doing here. Um, Kofi ends up picking up the win over Joe Gacy, but it, it, this was mainly about Xavier and and uh, Booker on commentary yelling at each other. Yeah, and and I, look, I, I've crapped on this guy for a while now, um, and, and and you know it. You can have anybody, not anybody, but most of the main roster players come down and can have a phenomenal match with just about any, anyone. But over the last couple of months, you want to talk about the most improved in NXT and has raised their game is Joe Gacy. And I can't Absolutely. believe he's saying that. Absolutely. He, his in-ring work has been really good. He had a good match in the pay-per-view. He had a good showing with those guys. And I thought this was a good effort from him here also. We had a... Showing last week when Dijak took stacks to the back, a clip from last week. Um, Dijak says that disrespecting him will never go unpunished. He was the face of fear in NXT, and then he punches stacks, and uh, he says this is just the beginning. So a uh, weird kind of vignette, but Dijak ends up getting a big win in just about three minutes here. I, uh, I hope they're I hope they're care- careful with Dijak because this this is probably maybe his last run with the WWE. You know, it, it just it failed miserably. Not his fault. Had nothing to do really with him. Don't get too gimmicky. No, and I'm afraid that's starting to. You don't need to do that. No. He can just go in the ring and be a badass. And, like, I don't mind having a little character to it, but you don't want to get too gimmicky with this to where he's, like, I don't know, Liam Neeson and Take It or something. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just like the, yeah, I somebody, like, somebody tweeted out there, you know, Stax did a great job. Uh, in this match, though, he, you know, though uh, a week ago he was kidnapped, beaten, yeah, yeah. tied up. He, he didn't look near as bad as what someone should have. <laughs> You're right. He had been put through that. <laughs> who had been, he, he wasn't where he didn't look like someone who'd been run through the mill. As uh, <laughs> we just checked in quickly in a few different spots, Oro Mensa had an interview, and then Big Body Javi comes back with the Javi <laughs> Christmas album, which is some of these things are so stupid. I can't help but laugh. Once or twice, but so there, there's something with Javi. He's terrible, but I yes. think he could be like a really funny, terrible, lovable loser that sure. everybody just craps on. So we'll see what happens there. We uh, we had the women. Oh yeah, all set up a battle royal. So we're gonna have a battle royal coming up next week, right? That's going to determine the number one contender. So Gigi Dolan and uh, JC Jane were out there first. They were interrupted by Indy, then Nikita Lyons, then Cora Jade, then Zoe Stark, Wendy Chu, Tia Hale comes in the mix. And then we see Alba and Isla fighting all over. And then here comes like the most baby face of all baby face, Roxanne. It's like, hi, everybody. Hi, everyone. There's going to be a 20 woman battle royal next week. And she's just laying it on so thick. It's like, cut. We can cut the baby face like a little bit, a little lack, but you know what? It was, it was fine. They set up the, the battle Royal for next week. And I'm, I'm actually kind of curious. I'm intrigued because I do think it could be if it was Indy who they give up. I don't think Roxanne's going to lose. No. So, so that way I could actually see it being anyone to have win to just get a match. That's not 
going to matter. It could be Indy. It could be Zoe. It, I don't think it's going to be Nikita or Cora quite yet because I think if they get a match, they actually could win. That might be something down the line. So, you know, next week we'll uh, we'll get our, our women's battle royal. And you don't think, you don't think they go back to Cora Roxanne this quick? You, it's probably going to be a heel, don't you think? They, yeah, I think I think it's a heel. I mean, Zoe would would be okay, and then they could have something happen with Nikita in the match to like. Okay. Further, you know, Nikita could come and interrupt the match or distract Zoe there. I could also see Indy having a match and then just kind of losing. But I don't, I think Cora, they'll say, I I hope they went to Cora and Roxanne way too quick to begin with. And I think if they went back again, it would feel like they went back a little too quickly. I'm not interested in either Isla Dawn or Alba Fire, but I will give give them a ton of credit. They work. So hard, and they they like leave it all on the line, and their matches against each other have been way more entertaining than I would have expected going into the match. I agree. I hated that the who's that that uh, Fry did the Swanton and the table didn't break, but I yeah. was entertained with the match. They worked hard, and it, it that's hard to do when you, this match has taken place several times, you know, on television already. Not you may, maybe not this stipulation, but yeah, I'm with you. I have. Z- Zero point one interest in either really one of them, uh, and I hate to be hating on them, but I I thought this match was was. But we'll be uh, fair when fair calls for it. They overachieved, they right? Did. That's big time. I, I, that's 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 what I thought, and I was entertained with it. They did a great job with it, and it, it's hard to do when you're put in the situation where you've done that already. But they, you know, they improved. They set up a video package talking about the Creed brothers versus. Um, Indushir, and oh my goodness, this was good. This was really good. Why we've been asking forever why they didn't talk about like the Veer, who is a baseball player, baseball player, yeah. And they finally did. They talked about how Sango was an actor and they'd been idolized, they don't get respect here. And I just thought this was, was it was good. I love stuff like this. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, look. Uh, I, and why you wouldn't go to that in the very beginning? The beginning that alone would get him over right away. It will just have people talking and asking questions. And now, in this little video package, I know more about these two guys than I have the entire time they've been in there. One hundred percent, I agree. This is exactly what WWE, NXT, AEW, any wrestling company that I watch. I want to see these types of things. It makes me care more, feel like I know more about the character, and then I care more about the in-ring work. That's, I mean, like Jim Ross has always scripted it out so simple. Like, you have personal storylines that get resolved in the ring, and that's what wrestling is about. It's simple Oh yeah. when it's at its best. Uh, quick win for Oro Mensa over Big Body Javi, and then we had a uh, backstage segment all about the bar, man. The bar is good. The bar is back. The bar is back. Um, yeah, we covered a lot of ground this week on NXT. We have Drew Gulak versus Andre Chase <laughs> because backstage they were doing some, uh, you know, just some training. And Gulak is going in with uh, showing a couple of the guys from Chase U a move or two. And that upset Andre Chase, who came over. Gulak is also kind of playing this really kind of cocky gimmick where maybe he's going a little too heelish. Then we can sense that Charlie Dempsey is 
not really going to agree with that. So I think Charlie Dempsey might end up in Chase U. I could see this being a feud for a little bit, Gulak and maybe Chase U. And I'm I'm a little bit intrigued by this. Like I like Gulak as a character. I think there's something there with him. And I and I'm fine seeing him wrestle on TV. I'm you know, I want to see where this is going. Yeah, it was fun. Um I he he plays this little his smirky hill and uh, they kept saying what is unsportsmanlike conduct i you know as drew as good as drew is i i thought I, i'm just a big fan of andre chase i i just am man he did what he put the old figure four leg lock you know you don't see a lot of that happening anymore uh the old flare move uh i know sean michaels with was the heartbreak kid was big with the with the uh, figure four leg lock um but I, I just, you know, that one spot where he puts the, he, he does the old Ronnie Garvin. Those are familiar with the old NWA Ronnie Garvin, the man's with the hands of stone. Uh, did the old Garvin stomp, then the, the figure four, and then uh, Drew weasels out and grabs the bottom rope. Then he cheap shots uh, Chase. I, I, I'm just a big Chase U fan. If I if I had any eligibility left, I, I would play. You'd be in Chase U. There's probably no NIL money in it. But I, but I, I, I would, I'd be a walk on. Yeah, me. you can at least take pictures for them. At, for them, yeah. they'll give you some credits. They'll get, yeah, you'll get free tuition. Baby. You get free tuition for doing the job <laughs> for them there. Give me a Letterman sweater. <laughs> exactly. No, that would be so great to chase you. As uh, we have a, a pretty good show set for next week, NXT New Year's Evil. Dijak versus Tony D'Angelo for the number one contender for the NXT North American Championship. Charlie Dempsey versus Hank Walker. Creed Brothers versus Indusheer. 20 Women's Battle Royal. And Pretty Days Deadly faces three other teams in a gauntlet. Um, Braun Breaker versus Grayson Waller. And they showed a video teasing a return next week. Chad, we were just talking about the women. This is who it could be. It could be Tiffany Stratton that wins the Battle yeah. Royal. And I've been wondering where she's at. She may, she may have just, you know, nursing an injury. Maybe they say, "Hey, let's take a break and reset you." I don't know why they would do that because she was, she was on fire, man. You talk, yeah. we we talk about improvement with Joe Gacy. When she stepped onto the scene, it was a little rough. It it was early stages of Mandy Rose rough, and she just got better, quickly, and better and better, man. Hopefully Rickly. she comes back and wins this thing. You know what? Yeah. I, I I could see her winning this. Me her, too. You know, because the match is going to be on their their pay per view vengeance. Yep. And um, she's a heel. That would be a good. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and I think there's some history there. Didn't she have a match with Roxanne? She did. And yep. it was pretty damn good too. I I think that. Yep. That's probably where they're going to be going here. She could be the one at this moment. As I gotta say, I thought the the main event segment was awful with uh, Grayson Waller. That's and with terrible. Braun, it, I, I, they were trying to go with like Braun being this sort of calm guy who's not going to get rattled by Waller, and Waller was trying to annoy him. And Waller's stuff can be really hit or miss. Like he can have some segments that are okay, but then sometimes it's like cringy where you just want to turn the TV off. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of this. And I, we talk about improvements. Somebody's gotten better and better has been Braun Breaker. And I, I don't want to see any set. You know any any steps back with him? Me either. You know, I didn't think that, that we we're pushing to be in the Royal Rumble, and he, you know, we're we're within several weeks now, and he can't t- have any steps back from this. So I, I I didn't I didn't like the way this ended at all. Me neither. Me neither. It didn't flow. It didn't go together. No, and, and I thought a lot of the show was pretty good, and so and ending was, on yeah. a bad note like this, it just 
felt you a bad taste in your mouth leading into that main event match for the uh, the title next week. As we lead into AEW Dynamite in Seattle, what a freaking crowd, man. This crowd was nuts in Seattle. And they make, you know, big, like, hot crowds make shows a little bit better. Now, hot crowds are fun to be around, but they don't mean that bad stuff is good. It just means that the crowd's into it. You know, like, that's that's what we'll tell you here is that just because a crowd's into something doesn't mean it was great, but it means that the experience is good and you know that you have a, a really strong, loyal fan base. That's what AEW does have. We have a new look to the stage. Um, no entrance tunnels anymore like they used to have on the outside, and they just kind of clean things up a little bit. It, it's fine. It doesn't look like anything crazy. It just looks like a slightly different type of look. But one thing that I've, I've been a big fan of what AEW has been doing recently is Ricky Starks, and this guy yeah. is a star. And he has a good match with Chris Jericho. They go 12 minutes. It looked like Ricky Starks was going to get beat. Now, I'm all positive about Starks. Starks being continued to push. Starks winning this match. Uh-oh. One I thing I don't like. <laughs> Did he get hit with a bat in the head? Man, it looked a little rough. I don't and know if it was or it was a it good was spell. Because, first off, Why? So now we're bats and hammers are okay. People get hit in the head with bats and hammers, and then they're just they can get up from it ten seconds later. I don't like that. Rick, it could have been a punt. Any you could have done anything and not even needed the weapon, and Ricky Starks could have won, and it would be fine. And I thought when he was battling out of the walls of Jericho, it was awesome. The yeah, crowd was fine. so into him. It was great. The dude, everything about it was very good. I'll give it an A minus even. And the but the minus is a big thing that's starting to stick out. You can't have people get hit. I, I wasn't as big of a fan of the sledgehammer with Triple H for this exact reason. Like, yeah, come on, man. You nobody's getting hit with a hammer. It's not yeah, it cool. just it doesn't work. It, or a bat, a bat like that in the head, and then two seconds later you're out. When Sting hits you with the baseball bat, what happened? You're out. <laughs> you're not you're waking out. up and kicking out of a pin two seconds later. No, no. I, you know, we, we were concerned, or I was last week, that Jericho would bury him. Um, you know, and this this is the old old school booking here. The baby face wins, and then the, the heels turn and attack. And I think he ended up, didn't, he get, didn't Hager come out? Or he was out there, and he, I think Starks took a powerbomb to the damn. Hager, Daniel Garcia, uh, Sammy Guevara, then Andrade, Andrade came out. Yeah, and this out, again, low blowed. It's just too much afterwards, yeah, it was, right? It was, and, and it and it kind of ruined the match because the match was fun. It, I, I agree. It just good match, awesome crowds, really into it. Ricky Starks in a couple months, he feels like he's like your second or third biggest baby face on the card. Honestly, he he's oh, yeah. right up there. Just like little things that I don't love, and after the match, a little bit too much. Anna J and Taymelo Taymelo are out there also, so it's just. A lot going on as uh, we get to Hangman Page in in the ring with Shivani. Hangman's delivery is very good. Like I yes. think he's studied in, in a while how to cut promos and how to deliver them. I don't like a lot of the material that he's doing with this. It's it's weird. First off, he's kind of come off a little bit soft in all of this. I know he's a concussion. It's a serious stuff, but. He's come off in wrestling like 
I, I was just trying to win a match and you were trying to fight me. What the heck, man? I don't know. It's not, it hasn't come off like a strong baby face. I don't really know who between him and Moxley I'm exactly supposed to be getting behind here, which AEW I think does a little too often where they put baby face, baby face instead of giving me a clear dynamic. Who's the heel? Who am I supposed to boo? Who am I supposed to cheer? And then they do weird things like, I'm not cleared right now, but I'm going to go get another brain scan in, <laughs> in two days. And so that should next week. <laughs> hopefully clear me. Um, and we've already been like months after his match. So it's not, yeah. this isn't like in the NFL where we're waiting for these guys protocol. to go through concussion <laughs> protocol because they just got it a few days ago. He's been in this protocol for a month already. What is the next two days going to do? So I, you know, I, but, I agree. I but they've, know. but they've told us that he's going to be. They're going to have a match next week at the forum if he's cleared. So he's going to be cleared. They're not right. going to mention them. And it's a tough spot anyway to to be in there against Moxley, Moxley because it doesn't matter what Moxley does. He's just so over. People mm-hmm. love him. You know, even if he is this this sort of heel. But I, I, I'm with you. I don't know. There's going to be a lot of blood next. Uh, Next next Wednesday evening at the forum in this match. And the I, I mic think. didn't work in the segment. No. <laughs> which was which was kind of we on TV, the, it worked fine. We could hear everything Moxley was saying, but the people in the arena couldn't. And yeah. Moxley didn't understand. And so he has to say the same thing like three times and he just is getting pissed off. He says, Go see Hawks. And then the crowd just starts cheering. So it was actually pretty good work, like from Moxley to keep everybody uh keep everybody involved. We have the acclaimed says, yo, yo, listen, hey, Jeff, your wife better say less. She's getting crapped <laughs> online worse than Skip Bayless. Ooh, that's <laughs> funny. He mentioned TNA. And um, yeah, it, man, these guys are over. And I, for a minute, I was like, they didn't do, do this right now. They did not have Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal beat these guys for the tag team titles. They did the dusty finish. Yeah, They had the acclaimed win it back. Is a little bit overbooked and a little bit wonky, and we're gonna have a rematch again. But I will just say, these guys are over. Like this is one of the good things they've done with the acclaimed. Don't screw it up by doing some some like overbooking stuff. Like just these are baby faces. Just let them keep going over there, going over for a while with their act and and coming out and rapping and, and winning matches. Yeah, and, and and they've been entertaining since day one. Uh, if you're familiar with the acclaimed, uh, they're just, they're good at everything they do and to have them, it just seems like in the, some of the early stages or maybe not early stages of AEW, but they're, they're in the middle of, of where we're at today. I think that where were they, what are we going in year four now? Yeah. I think it's, so the early stages, a lot of tag teams were buried because, and not that it was purposely done because the young bucks, you had a lot of good, you know, you had two or three teams that they were mainly focused on, but now that they've allowed the acclaim to take the ball and run with it. Now there were a couple of weeks that they just had a couple of segments that were like, okay, but man, when they get in the ring and do things, uh, even, you know, and I'm a big Jay lethal fan, e- e- even though it's, it's, it's lethal and uh, uh, double J uh, you know, okay, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a, it was a great finish. I don't know what this payoff is going to do, um, but I'm certainly big fans of uh, the acclaimed. As uh, we roll to Tony Schiavone sitting down with Britt Baker and Jamie, yeah, Baker did just talk about how they've been around from the beginning and their originals. She said she's the boss, which got people um, wondering, <laughs> uh, you know. So 
But but we we talked uh, quite a bit about this at the beginning. We're going to have Britt Baker and Jamie Hader. Right now, it's going to be Soraya and Tony Storm. We might have Sheeta take out Tony Storm, and perhaps we get a surprise. If not, it would kind of be a little bit deflating if it was just Soraya and Tony Storm, right? No, it ain't gonna be no. Let me take it a step further. It won't be. It won't be just a little. It. it you look. They've. They've had some. Uh, some let. Some letdowns with uh, mm-hmm. not all of them. But a uh, majority of them, if you go back and think, um, you can't even really come up with any because they weren't really all that good. Uh, if it's Mercedes, um, that, that, it's at least a, if it's Mercedes, that's what people are expecting. And if it's kind of anybody but her, they may get crept on. It, they will. And so I think that's kind of why they might even play it safe with the Tony, because you don't want to bring up another surprise that's not going to be Mercedes. And at least and Tony won't get booed. Uh-huh. You don't you know, think she'll get booed? I don't think – I think she's – I AEW fans are pretty good for the most part, right? Like they're, they they do a pretty good job of playing along with the show for the, for the most part. So – but man, online and everywhere else, this will not get received very well if it's not Mercedes because that's what they've teased. And we know we're going to get MJF versus Brian Danielson coming soon. Danielson had a, a quick win over Tony Nese, and then he was – Cutting a promo afterwards, MJF interrupted, and MJF said that if Lance Storm and Dean Malenko procreated, they'd be more charismatic than Brian Danielson. He says because you look like a goat doesn't mean you're the greatest of all time. And he said that you know Danielson's mom might have not been able to find a human suitor, so he had to uh, she had to find a goat. And Daniel Bryan came back and said that MJF's mom. Had a lot of suitors, probably a lot of them in the arena right now, which was kind of funny. I didn't think MJF's material was like as good as normal. I thought he was okay. Um, and 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 these two guys will be very good. And and the segment was entertaining. The only thing is like, is this just going to be MJF's gimmick every time that he has to make people win a bunch of matches to get through to them? Because this is the exact same thing he's done now three different times, four different times. Yeah, and I I knew you would probably mention that, and I, I don't like this. Uh, we've, we finally got MJF, the world title. This is what we all have been waiting for. And what have you and I, and I'm sure others, have said? Um, it seems like it's easier to capture that spot, and it's always harder uh, what comes after. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that those two are not going to tear the house down that they will, that, that they are. But it just seems like the buildup to some of these big matches are letdowns. I thought this segment went a little long. I, Me too. I, I, oh, I, it, it went way long. I thought it was a little odd at times. It went very, very long. And MJF mentions uh, – who, who did he mention? In, um, he says, I've got people that tell me I'm the best in the world, like Disco Inferno, Eric Bischoff, <laughs> and Jim Cornette, like, which are just – People who just crap on AEW all the time, which is um, I, I like that poll. But what I didn't like about it, like you said, it's it was too much because we have to hear MJF talking about how okay now Brian Danielson has to win four matches in a row between now and February eighth, and then if he does so, they'll get a match a month later. And then in this, he agreed. He's first he said no, then he agreed and said he would with the stipulation if he got to do the stipulation. So he chose an hour long match. Again, it felt like there were three or four weeks of things that they jammed all into one right here. 
Yeah, what, what was it with Jericho? The Pillars of Jericho. He had one. Um, you know, this 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 is what happens when you don't have monthly pay per views. Um, you've got to come up with things to do for um, your world champion and their opponent. Um, and I, I just think we've got to not that any of Brian Danielson matches are going to be anything not worthy, but I, I just it, it's a it's a long way to get there. And I, I just don't like the way that that the AW, AEW gets there. I just think it, it's 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 too long. I'm not saying you have to have a pay per view every month because that's their model. It just seems like it, it, it takes forever to get there. And once we get there, it's like mm, it's not as important that it once and, was. And now, is this the right time for Brian Danielson? You've had this guy before. He's already lost when he was up in the mix against Kenny. He was up in the mix against. Hangman, I know he doesn't. He's not even the type of guy who wants to go win the title. But if he loses again right now to MJF, because he's not going to beat MJF, like whoever is facing MJF right now isn't going to win. I think this is probably when you should have had someone like a Darby Allen or a Jungle yeah. Boy, because it does. Nobody's expecting them to win anyways. And it's for for a little while we're going to be in this spot with MJF that nobody believes he's going to lose because sure. he. Why is he? You you know he's not going to right now. Um, at the very least, we should get a good hour long match. I'm I'm going to be intrigued to see MJF try to go an hour, and they're going to do that most likely on pay per view. So, a couple other things before we finish up here. Swerve Strickland got a win over AR Fox. They had uh, been former friends, and actually, AR Fox was kind of like a mentor there. Swerve picks up the win, and you know he's he looks like he's a heel on the move. We got that backstage interview where Soraya decided she's going to pick Tony Storm. And she said, AEW has the best female wrestlers and matches in the world. I don't think she could. I was like, what? <laughs> what? Come on. I, just, I was like, come, really? Like, come on. Come on. And the way that she talked, like, she was the one talking disrespectful to Sheeta. It didn't make me think Sheeta as much of a heel. I was like, <laughs> Soraya's delivery. And, like, she came in and we thought she was going to be fantastic. And, I don't know. It hasn't been a letdown. I'm just telling you, man. It's hard. It's It's, hard when you leave the E. Because they've got such a machine over there. They've got so many layers of checks and balances of producers and directors and agents and people helping you with your promos and stuff. And when you go over there and it's all you creatively sometimes and you don't have a sounding board or you don't have Vince or Triple H or someone telling you, ah, that's not that great or maybe try it this way. Everybody wants to be able to cut their own promos until they sound like crap. <laughs> you know, yeah. until they're like going around in circles and we don't know if it was a baby face or a heel type promo as um, yeah, Paige has, like Soraya just hasn't come off all that likable. No, not exactly no, sure what's it, going it, on. It, Go ahead. And there's, there's no emphasis on a lot of story buildup in AEW. There's no secret of that. And then when you're responsible for that, like you said, it's just hard when you leave the E. It's just it, it's hard. And uh, again, I don't think I, I'm just I just don't know if her and Britt Baker have I, I have no problem with this feud because at least we're getting to see some of these women every week, even though they may not be in matches. And I know we're not going to see Soraya in in a lot of matches. We just know that that that's. That's pretty evident, but it just seems like we've kind of, we drag on with some things, you know? So maybe if Mercedes shows up, uh, you know, we'll think differently and, and things will be a little different, but we'll see. We had the guns. They've been a little bit more entertaining as of late. I, I 
just don't really know what's going on with FTR. I mean, I knew FTR wasn't going to yeah. be here. 12 hours before this, they were in Japan in, at New Japan <laughs> at Wrestle Kingdom, so they wouldn't have been able to be here. But it, you're, it just seems weird how over F- FTR was the most overact on the show two months ago. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and they, with, they've worked more matches on Ring of Honor pay-per-views, which has been, what, one or two, than they have on AEW television or pay-per-views, it seems like. I just, I don't think Jade Cargill is progressing well in, in like, I think she may have sort of hit a peak and now she's plateaued and she doesn't sure. feel like quite as big of a star as she was before because she lives a lot of the the time on Rampage. And I don't know what's going on with the baddies. They're there. Then they turn yeah, on her. She hates them. Yeah. She loves them. It's just, again, the storylines are either nothing or way too much right there's they're, no they're not simple medium. enough yeah it's just yeah. they should be simple that people tuning in and out can kind of catch and it's never the case it's either way too much or not enough we had the main event Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen this thing only went eight minutes it was <laughs> a very good match they beat the crap out of each other I have no problem with Darby Allen winning and being a major player on your show. Why the hell did you make Samoa Joe look like he was the biggest badass in the world? He just kind of put away Wardlow, and now that just feels like nothing. Like, where's Wardlow now? Yeah, yeah, that was my question coming out of this match is, where's Wardlow? <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah, number one, there there wasn't enough time. And, and hey, look, uh, uh, there was a match. I don't know if we, yeah, uh, one of the the really good spots on this on this show was Swerve Strickland and uh, AR, AR Fox. AR. It, it yes. was gimmicky. There were a lot of there were a lot of hot spots, but the crowd was hot, and I thought they did a very good job with that. Um, yeah, they're just the lack of time cost them here. And uh, th- isn't this the second time it, uh, Darby's had this title? Third, yeah. may, no, third? third, yeah, third. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Now, Samoa Joe's, you know, knocking people out, putting them to sleep, and uh, here in eight minutes, Darby Allen, Darby Allen, who's about the size of his one of his legs, BT. I'm yeah, he's, okay with. Darby okay, I guess I guess game. second. You're right. I guess they second. said he okay. is the. I knew AEW he had. It, I knew he had it one time because he did. He beat Cody. Was it yes. Cody that he beat? Yes. I thought. Yes. I think. Yeah. And then so. he hell he main evented the next three or four dynamites, and we remember we were all about Darby, and, and we, then he he was back with Sting. I know because he's unique. He's a little different. There's something there, but, but the, like the problem with all of this is like, so where, what is next? Like, where does Darby go from here? Yeah. It, it, yeah. it the, everything about like the pacing with their storytelling just seems a little bit off. And maybe with the new regime coming in and the, the new guy from WWE, I, I liked one thing they did. They showed us a shot of the Seattle skyline. I thought oh, that yeah. was kind of cool. I love yeah. when yeah. I love when any sports do that. When WWE does that, when any sh- sports, you come back from a commercial break, they show you where you are. They show you the big buildings or the big landmark in that city. It just kind of makes you feel like you're like legitimate, you know, like a, like a sure. bigger thing. So just the, just the little things to see outside the arena and make everyone pop. Koopaloop, 
every week on That's What G Said, you make me pop, my friend. I love talking <laughs> wrestling with you. I know you're in Vegas partying up with Dolph Ziggler and the Dirty Dogs and everyone <laughs> over the there. Dirty dog. You're late, the dirtiest of the dogs. Or, or let's just say the early morning, Thursday, Thursday morning, early hours here in Vegas. It's all the old Dirty Dog DZ. I know, I know you've got a, a convention to go to, my friend. But uh, again, thank you so much for all your help this week. Yeah, and man, buddy. thanks so much. Um, do you have a thought on the Georgia TCU? I mean, you've been man. you've been awesome all year long, dude. You were so good in college football. And starting next man. week, I want to get some 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 thoughts on you for the playoff games for the NFL when we have some yeah, NFL. Man, but, we we had a we had a pretty good weekend last weekend. You did, the man. Two NFL games. The Seahawks covered. Green Bay covered. Um, not to bring this game back up, but we had the over and Tulane and USC. So did I. Yep. We, that's, we knew that was the play. Yeah. The over, we knew that was the play and it got a little slow. It was a little slow. And I said, man, if we can get one or two more touchdowns in in the last couple of minutes of the first half, we, we, we can do it. And they did it. Um, you know, uh, you know, I, I, I don't have a lot of strong feelings here. It's just hard. TCU's just grinds it out. I wish the running back was hundred percent healthy, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take the points here. I I just think Duggan, uh, not to be confused with hacksaw Jim. (laughs) I just think the kid's a grinder. He's not flashy. Uh, I I thought he probably should have been invited to the, the Heisman awards. His numbers aren't flashy. The kid just grinds. Um, they were impressive, uh, in the semifinals against Michigan. I'll just take the points here. And two pro games I like. I, I'm, I'm going to take, uh, even though, you know, uh, I'm in Las Vegas. They sent Derek Carr home. He kind of quit, took his ball, and th- that relationship's probably over. What's odd is there's a ton of billboards in Las Vegas with Derek Carr's face on it at the moment. I think Kansas City just just doesn't really cover the spread much at all anymore. And I saw it against the spread stat with them where they're, they're not very good in uh, the second matchup of a team that they beat earlier in the season. I think it was 0-18-1. Um, they haven't been covering the spread. It's been in one-point game. So I'm going to take the Raiders here. I, I, you can get a, a, a couple of good numbers. I think I got uh, nine, nine and a half at the win. I think it's dropped a little bit, and you can get some plus money there. And I, th- I, th- I like the Pits- I like the Pittsburgh Steelers here. I, I know the Bengals have, have won a couple little meaningless games here, but I think Pittsburgh still has something to play for. And I don't see Mike, I don't see Mike Tomlin here falling in this last game. They pl- kind of played better uh, over the last couple of weeks and once the game. So I'm going to take Pittsburgh here at home minus two and a half against the Cleveland Browns. Coop, my man, thank you so much for all the help. Covering so much ground. Look forward to talking to you next week. You stay safe out there. You be careful in Vegas. But, hey, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, my friend. Stays in Vegas. See you next week, you know. (laughs) Talk to you later, buddy. That's Chad Cooper there at the Chad Cooper. Give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode. And a big thank you to Chad for helping us out. And now we're on the... The road to the Royal Rumble. We're just a few weeks out from the Royal Rumble. Looking forward to having our big Royal Rumble roundtable with Darren and with Coop and with Andrew Champagne again this year. We'll go through all the possibilities for the men's and the women's Royal Rumble. But that's still a few weeks away. Hopefully you all have a great weekend. Good luck in all of your plays at Gulfstream Park at Santa Anita this weekend. Don't forget about the Santa Anita Pick'em Contest and that Coast to Coast Pick 5 on Saturday. And NFL Week 18 we will get into playoff previews next week. And we'll continue 
along talking Santa Anita and Gulfstream and all the big races from where uh, wherever they are all across the country. Good luck this weekend. Hope everyone has a nice one. And don't forget about BTV Bets. Go give them a follow and subscribe to the YouTube channel over there. We'll have some shows throughout the weekend. We'll be hosting shows this weekend over on Saturday and on Sunday. Good luck. Talk to you again next week.